0: Algar Productions.
1: Hi. Well, I guess, hi, friends. That's how we open the other show. I suppose, I just... like, we're in entirely new territory here where we don't talk to the audience every week. No, and you are our friends, mm-hmm. and we appreciate you listening to Endeavor. First of all, thank you for yes, that. Yes, seriously, thank you, guys. This was uh this is kind of a dream project for both. Of them.
0: Yeah, like it's after mean nine plus years
1: right, to ten plus years because we used to do it on SV. Yeah, but reviewing Star Trek like this is this is sort of the pitch I've given to a lot of people mm-hmm. is uh we spent we are you know we co-reviewed all of Star Trek the entire franchise. We're the only podcast to have done that. Which uh, on the post atomic horror, by the way, if you're not yes. aware that's that's the show that we reviewed we started at the original series and reviewed everything up to the current currently running series.
0: If you'd like to see the re- the research podcast that went into creating Endeavor that
1: yes. would be post. Uh, post- War. War. Yeah. Yes. Um but the 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 sort of the elevator pitch that I give people is having done that we felt sort of singularly qualified to write our own. Yeah, right. Every week to some extent we're like I would have done this differently. Mm-hmm. I I could do this better or Hmm. Well, this is very good. I'd like to see more like this. Or, yeah, you know, whatever. Like, I'm not going to say I think I'm better than I or Stephen Bear or something, but you know, yeah, I I am better than Rick Berman. Yes, I will say that. I I on many levels, I would say.
0: Oh, well, thank you. As someone That's who's the been friends, thing with... you've ever said to me. As someone who's been friends with you for a long time, you are better than Rick Berman on pretty much any level I can think of. Ah, except for owning houses in Hawaii. I
1: wish I owned a house in Hawaii. <laughs>
0: I wish I owned uh, his house in Hawaii so I could evict
1: him. <laughs> Where is the rent, Brick Berman? Oh, boy. Uh, so I, I wanted to start by talking about what we set out to do. Yeah. Because basically, this is sort of a creator commentary episode. Mm-hmm. This is, we're going to go through episode by episode. We're going we're gonna to break down things you might find interesting or, or what have you. And then we have a bunch of mail to answer. Yeah. Um, but first, I wanted to talk about sort of pre-series stuff. Like what, what did, what were our goals going into it? Mm-hmm. And this was my list. If you want to add stuff by all means, sure. but like when I, when I first came to you with this idea, mm-hmm. so here's how it started. I was, I, I used to, I used to take long walks in the morning for exercise. I, I need to get back to that, by the way, <laughs> side note. Um. But I used to like go for a walk for a good hour and just sort of clear my head and think. And one day I'm walking and I don't know how it started, but I started thinking about when Naomi Wildman grew up, she'd probably be a scientist in Starfleet mm-hmm. and then i then then I was like, well, what would she do? like would she just be on a ship or like what if there was a thing like what if they were exploring a whole new galaxy, and that just kind of got filed away with like every other half you know sure. like anyone who does creative stuff, you have a million dumb half ideas that you just never do anything mm-hmm. with. And then I started, like, uh, a project I was doing had just wrapped up, like, we were we were doing, like, I've been working on audio drama for quite some time, mm-hmm. and, and comedic audio drama, and I was kind of ready to start a new thing, and actually our friend Tidro, who uh, uh, has has performed on Endeavor, mm-hmm. um, said, why don't you and Matt write your own thing? She, it was actually her idea. Ah, oh. I was like, wait a minute, I had this spark of a Star Trek concept. It was nice of her to think of me. Thank you, what, Terrence. Yeah. And I was like, hey Matt, what, what do you think of this idea? And then, as we tend to do, you started building on yep. it. Yep. I was like, okay, but what if this? Okay, but what if this? And then back and forth until we had something resembling the concept of a show. Yeah. And that show was and- called Nick and Willikins. <laughs> <laughs> the adventures of Nick and Willikins. <laughs> Don't fall for those Eastern European knockoffs. They're <laughs> just called Nick and Willikins or Wiccanillikans. <laughs> I love my Wiccanillikans. <laughs> Yes, very good, sir. <laughs> but so we talked. We wanted to talk about, like, one of the things that we hit on a lot during the post-atomic horror mm-hmm. is things Star Trek doesn't do enough of. Yeah. Like, we like this about Star Trek. Either they've lost their way or they just haven't done enough of it in the first place. Like, the the, the hopeful, optimistic future thing that was so prevalent in the original series and next gen, like, completely is gone. Now. Yeah, exactly.
0: Like, it's something – Yeah. <laughs> And it's something that I feel like we really need right now, what with everything
1: being horrible all the time every day. Yeah, and the thing is, okay, way back in the day, Mm -hmm. uh, our our friend Bob, who also does a lot of excellent uh, performances on uh, Endeavor, um, wanted to talk about the the hopeful future thing. And, like, he came on post Stomach Core, one of our supplementals, and talked about it. And I kind of dismissed him at that point. I was Mm -hmm. like, that's not why I watch Star Trek. I don't care about that. And at the time, that was true. Mm Mm-hmm. But I kind of want to, he probably won't even remember this conversation now. It was like eight years ago. Sure. Like, I want to retroactively apologize for that (laughs) because I guess I do care about that because when they took it away, I was really mad. Yeah. I just never thought of it before. Like, I just, maybe I took it as as a given. Well, I mean, you read all the articles about it like when you're
0: a kid, like and, if you're anything like me and I know I am, you read a shit ton of like, you know, books on Trek and everything and you see that philosophy stamped over and over again. Like fans say it, the people who work on the show say it, you know, it's a bright utopian future where every technology has made like has helped make us to bring us to the point where we're better than we used to be, you know? Yeah. And I used to read, you know, what fine, whatever. I'm here for the laser fights and later on Cardassian politics but um you know you go back
1: now and it's just like yeah I really no. kind of need that <laughs> the because a lot of what you and I responded to and and rejected was gene Roddenberry's like revisionist future look at like after the original series ended in mm-hmm. the 15 20 years between the end of the original series 20 years between yeah. the end of the original series and the beginning of next gen mm-hmm. He did lecture tours. He did conventions. It's how he made like it's how he made most of his money, if I recall. Like yeah, and and he built this brand and the myth of the brand. Yeah, like it it was a total retcon. Yeah, it was a total like the reason he did it the whole time was for the bright future, and that was always a little bit of it. I've read stuff that says it was in there. Sure,
0: but I wanted like a- let's. Not for Gene Roddenberry was also looking for a buck,
1: like, yeah, but I don't like on the post Horror, we have disparaged Roddenberry a lot, mm-hmm. and rightfully so, there's a lot of bad stuff there. But he did create the franchise, yep. he did have his heart in the right place in certain ways, he also didn't, in yeah. many ways. I, he, it's, it's, it's one of those historical figures are complicated mm-hmm. things, but I think we tend to overcorrect and. Because all anyone talks about is how amazing he was and his vision and all that bullshit. Well, he was a wonderful bird. I know that much. Uh, he was a great bird.
0: <laughs> but that's what it said in the the spider web
1: behind his pen. <laughs> great bird. <laughs> oh, we better not send him to slaughter then. Mage was like, I better get to knitting that next web. <laughs> or is it crocheting? I never know. Uh, I am. I am not the one to ask in this marriage. Oh, you were married to a... To a sewing person mm-hmm. you should know these things. She's in the other um, room. I could just yell at her. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's 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 a bad precedent to set, I think, <laughs> for the listeners, I mean. No, but like we we got real sick of all the press about how amazing he was, and we overcorrect yeah. to the point where we hate him, but he did some good thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. He, he did. Mm. Rick Berman, not so much. No, Rick Berman is a monster. Yeah. But my point is, the bright hopeful future thing was Part of the original pitch, but it was never the main thing. Mm-hmm. The main thing was he wanted to do an action adventure show where he sometimes talked about issues. Yeah, like that was that was the original pitch. Like he wanted to use science fiction the way like the Twilight Zone had used it, and yeah, he wanted to talk about some important stuff. But also, he he did want lasers and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was always in there. But the lasers, how you get them in? You get them in the door I... with the lasers, and then you teach them something. But I mean that that the oft repeated pitch, the wagon train to the stars. Yeah. Wagon train and all those other westerns. You know what they had? A lot of cowboys shooting revolvers. Yep, that's that's part of the formula, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But that and what I'm saying is, we rejected that hopeful future thing because it felt like his propaganda machine. Yeah, it felt like building Gene Roddenberry into this perfect, towering, virtuous person of mm-hmm. like I'm gonna I'm gonna show humanity the way. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. You know who's you know who's done that in the last ten years is Elon Musk and look how well that's going. Exactly. Like don't don't trust anyone who says they're gonna show humanity the yeah. way. But my point is turns out we did respond to that. Mm-hmm. We overcorrected for it so much that I didn't think I was into that, but I really I am in mean, like you say, things are a little rough right now. That's but- an understatement. <laughs> Just like in the 60s, Mm -hmm. where everything seemed like it was falling apart, and there was a war people could do nothing about, and there were race things that were coming to a head because Mm -hmm. you promised things to certain groups of people, and you were not delivering, and they were finally saying, enough, we want the things you promised us, Mm -hmm. we just want to be treated like people. Yeah. And other people wanted to, like, kill them for that, and Mm -hmm. things were nuts, and the show did show, okay, look, you know what, eventually- humanity's going to get their act together and we're going to go to space. And look at that. There are people of color here. Yeah. And and everything's cool. And like, I guess I really do love that. And part of that narrative is after humanity had, like, things are going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Like, there's going to be horrible wars and then we're going to rebuild from that. Yeah. And that's sort of what I, like, my part of what I contributed to the premise was I wanted that to be the premise of this show. Yeah. The uh, the last show set in sort of the main Star Trek like part of the galaxy Voyager doesn't count because it was off doing something else mm-hmm. like Deep Space Nine ended with the Dominion War ending and I thought okay that's our World War II that's our big like calamitous event that afterward people rebuild and things got better yeah and and I'm, I, a lot of the stuff that I've written since then has been uh, using that War War like post World War II thing as a model mm-hmm. and like the thought was what if after the war the international space station happened and all the all the people that fought each other or fought on the same side whatever like they all put aside like okay the war's over we're all at peace now let's let's build a new thing together and that's that was sort of the point yeah and saying it took a long time to get there and who knows what's happening back home that's our way of saying well they're gonna make new shows and we won't contradict that because all this stuff was put in place none of our business (laughs) yeah exactly this fucking new show brings in naomi wildman the bastards well there's a, there's gonna be a question about that yeah later i um, bet uh but we also thought like for all its talk of diversity uh star trek does not represent queer people at, at all, all.
0: Like, first yes que- we first we queer couple Stammets
1: in in like 51 years later yeah and to the point like, where he had to go, and,
0: like, I know how important this is, and it is, but, like, to the point where he, in the episode, had to go, I am I am gay, like... Yes. That's, yeah, how, that's how bad it was that, like, he, ha- he had to just flat out say those words, you know? I think they did that on purpose. Like, I think it's very important. Well, it, it, for... it definitely is. I've seen people say how, Im- like, gay people say how important that was to them, and I w- would never want to, like, take that away from from them or anything but like i have no follow-up to this honestly
1: (laughs) the thing even still like stamets decent character Mm -hmm. um i wish his love interest slash boyfriend slash husband i'm i'm never sure exactly (laughs) what the relationship is i wish the actor was a little better but i'm i'm glad they're there but and then in season two of discovery we got um Jet Reno. Mm -hmm. So now there are also lesbians, but but like that's it. And look, I'm gonna tell you straight up: I am a bisexual man in his mid 40s, and I've never seen me on screen. Sure, like they're they're only just starting with the most. This is not a this is not a disparaging word at all. I don't mean it this way. I just mean in terms of the rainbow, the most vanilla part of the spectrum. Like here is. One man and one man together, one woman and one woman together. This is the most socially acceptable part of the whole the whole queer spectrum. Yep. Okay, and it took fifty years to get there. Yeah. Where's the bi people? Mm-hmm. Where's the asexual people? Mm-hmm. Where are the trans people? Yep. Well, mm, nah. Let's one one thing at a time. Maybe in another fifty years, yeah, we yeah. can make another leap. We're, we're, like, we're, oh we're, we're not we're not ready for that just just yet. So we said, you know what? No, we're fuck gonna, you. Like, <laughs> Everyone in 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 uh, endeavor is some flavor of queer, basically, yep. or or some like something, yeah. Like, and it was important to me. We talked. We had a lot of talks about this. Mm-hmm. That none of that be a product of. Well, they're a weird alien who happens to be trans. Exactly. No, no that's not it. Trans is just a thing that exists. Yeah. You can't like it's cheating and it's it's a cop out to say but they're a weird alien. No, no, like. Well- we have one like that. We have Gia, who is polyamorous mm-hmm. because of his culture. That's it. Yeah. like, And that's built into Star Trek. That's not – we didn't make that up. No, that was Gene – that was one of Gene's fetish things. <laughs> that was – I, I think that was my – that was my pitch, was like, we should take some of Gene's bad ideas mm-hmm. and make them better. Like, yeah. Gene made uh, Ilea, the only Delton we've seen in Star Trek that had any lines. Like, there's been some in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, like – from this crazy sexual planet who is so sexual that none of the men on the bridge can look at her or they'll immediately get boners yeah. in their in their weird pastel uniforms, and like uh, see this mm. is what I'm talking about Gino's kind of a creep he was, but also he canonized the possibility that Kirk and Spock might have been involved.
0: see that's awesome,
1: so you like know in the novelization of the motion picture, Kirk says, uh, we didn't, but I'd be cool if we mm-hmm. were like." He, there's a whole passage where he's like, uh, yeah, I've heard the rumors, which was kind of a meta reference yeah. to uh, Slashfic. He's like, no, I could see it happening. I could. There's a certain chemistry there. It sure. hasn't, but uh, that's cool. Yeah. And like, good on you, Gene. That yeah. was the 70s, and that was a hard thing to say back yeah. then. Yeah. But it was in the novel, mm-hmm. and nothing ever came of it. Yeah. But anyway, no, we wanted, honestly, if I had it to do over, this is, this is on me. mm I would not like i I'm glad we have an asexual uh uh character mm-hmm. i I would not have made it naomi, okay uh I think we're working on this we're working on fixing this mm-hmm. I think you and I both have infantilized Naomi a little bit. I can see that yeah, like because she's a character we were introduced to as a child mm-hmm. we made her the cute one, yep, and we took away her sexuality mm-hmm. and No, I know that's not how asexuality works. I'm I'm speaking in broad terms. Sure. And uh, a friend of mine who happens to be ace said, was talking about sort of an unrelated thing, but I think also about this is like, aces are always coded as cute. Mm -hmm. They're the cute ones. They're your cute friend who just doesn't have sex. Sure. You just cuddle with them and like, ah, shit. We did that with Naomi, didn't we? Yeah. And- one of the things we're working on going forward is you. We'll talk about this in a minute. You wrote an episode where she had some step up and be a grown up leader moments. Yeah, we'll get to that. But that was super important to me. And then we set up a situation in the finale that we'll be paying off in the in the new season of her dealing with some pretty heavy emotional stuff. Because mm-hmm. it's a valid criticism to say we've infantilized her a little yep. bit, and I'm we're both working very hard to make her more of a more of a well rounded grown up. Well, yeah. And asexuality is just part of it. And she is cute and she can be cute. I don't want to back off from that because Kara plays cute so well. Yeah. But she can't just, be, she can't be a tall version of that. Eight the girl. little girl. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think that's the reason subconsciously I said she should be the ace is because well, I can't think of her sexually because she's a little kid. Sure. <laughs> uh, that's not good. Yeah. So on the other hand, Dal being lesbian, like I, I give us, I give us uh props for that one. <laughs> oh, I love her so much just cuz she's such she's so horny and unapologetic mm-hmm. about it and and like there was no moment where we had to turn to the camera and say I'm gay. We just had her thirsty for every woman immediately. Well, I mean, the
0: first thing you do the first I was listening to some of the older episodes the other day. One of the first thing Dell does
1: is like, fuck, I want to fuck 7 and 9. Yeah, that's um that was like I thought Okay, every Star Trek series, like all of them, have that moment where someone from the previous series shows up to send them off. Yeah. And let's imagine we're making a TV series that's the first new, like, 24th century show after Voyager. Mm -hmm. You'd have someone show up from Voyager. And it's like, okay, if Naomi's our only character we're using, one of her old friends would show up. Why not Seven of Nine? Mm -hmm. So, like, there was a whole thought process there. Um. So let's see. We wanted to do the queer representation. We wanted to do the bright, hopeful future. Yeah.
0: Now the queer thing was important to me because we've got the logo with like the rainbow in it, and it, my thing. Oh, I was... didn't. P- I
1: I didn't put that in there until we had already talked.
0: No, about I know. But though. like when I saw that, it's like, okay, well, if we're doing this, this, we better do this. You know, we better
1: live up to it. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, you can't touch... just put that on and then be all like, oh, gay people sometimes. No, I just put a rainbow because it's pretty colors. It does look very good. It represents God's covenant with, <laughs> the, <laughs> with humanity. <laughs> for taking it back.
0: <laughs> Sorry. That's the fucking stupidest thing I've ever heard come out of your mouth.
1: Well, look, it's from the Bible, man. I didn't I didn't make those words up. You and I both grew up around people who said things like sure. that. Sure. I mean, I did. I assume you did. Oh, yeah. You grew up, up around religious people. Maybe they weren't that kind of religious. But... Well, they were a type of religious. Okay. Uh, oh, and, and Kutch is... I wrote a little speech for Cut. Well, just like a line for uh-huh. Cut is like uh, I. I guess I'm bi. I don't really think about it like that. Sure, and that's that's me. Uh huh. Like that is he's my identification character. Cause sure. This is a thing. I recently came out. Mm-hmm. Like I. I guess I am. I mean, yeah. I. I know I am, but I don't really think of myself that way. I don't really advertise myself that way. It's, I thought it was it, important to talk about. But yeah. I just I don't know. I, I'm a fluid sexual being.
0: I don't know yeah, what to tell you. It's a weird thing to sort of like have to feel like you need to like
1: label yourself. You yeah. Know? Are you black? Are you are you black, white or gray? It's like I, I don't know. There's fucking, so many other shades.
0: I don't know, man. Sometimes dudes are hot.
2: Yeah.
1: I'd fuck I, that guy. You know, not to not, not to get too personal or graphic or whatever, but it it, it, it in my life, it has gone beyond that. Uh-huh. Like I have I have been involved with with dudes. Sure. But it's not a, like, it's still not something I think about. Mm -hmm. It's, I understand, I very much understand how important it is to people's identity. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have characters who are openly and proudly what they are. Yeah. But I also thought for representation, it would be nice to have someone who thinks it's not a big deal. I don't want that to be our only queer character at all. Of course. But there are people like me who are queer, but don't really think of themselves as part of any community it's just that i don't know that's just i like i'm not part of the redhead community but i have red hair sure that's not the same thing and again not to diminish mm-hmm. not like people need that sense of community and i'm glad it exists and all that i just personally because i'm i'm a white dude i've never needed like i have a lot of privilege and i don't need that mm. so i've never really thought of it in terms of having a support system for what i am cuz you know I can do whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. Uh, and the other thing we wanted to get back to as far as Star Trek stuff goes is like exploring. Yeah. That's a thing we realized in Next Gen and then we couldn't help noticing it in everything else. Like everyone, if you asked anyone on the street, what is Star Trek about? Like mm. what do they do? Well, they explore new planets. Yeah, it's right in the thing. Yeah. Exploring strange new worlds. like but, you know... This goes back to the fire truck discussion like That's or the ambulance discussion. No, it discussion. was fire truck. Yeah. Cuz fire truck sounds funnier. <clears throat> is what we decided. Yeah. <laughs> but the Enterprise D at the time is what we realized is more of a fire truck we said. Yeah. They're running to emergency situations and responding. They're taking diplomats around, they're delivering like scientists or serums or like they were there's very little exploring strange new worlds in that yeah. show. Yeah. And it's like, okay, Star Trek can be a lot of things. I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. But why is there none of this now? Like, yeah. Discovery's done a tiny bit, but there's always a season plot driving them somewhere else.
0: Well, and it feels like a lot of the time it's like, well, if we're looking at new things, we can't do old stuff that, pe- that, pe- that people have heard of.
1: Yes, you know, correct. <laughs> Which is, I guess, also another thing we wanted to do was take the franchise. Well, I say the franchise. This is our... This is our little self-contained version of it. This is not official, of course. Yeah. One day they're going to sue us, even if we are just doing it for fun. (laughs) This Um, day would come. (laughs) I mean, it was right there.
0: That disclaimer is not legally binding at all. Damn it.
1: But it turns out the original Post-Atomic Horror one that went on for three minutes, that was, if I just kept doing that. Ah. People made fun of us. Look, man, I've said it before, but I remember... Like, when the internet started becoming a thing and Mm. people started building GeoCities pages and CBS would, like, or Paramount at the time, would give them cease and desist. Like, I had a friend. I saw his letter in the mail. Cease and desist. Take down your, like, data and his cat page. That's Uh what it was. It was a page about data and spot. Yeah. No, I, like, you
0: know... It feels like they sort of come around on on the fan part as just like, well,
1: oh, it's free advertising or whatever. But like Guys, look at the way Star Wars mar- manages their brand. Mm-hmm. Fan films and fanfic and all that stuff just makes people into it more. Yeah. Like let let them do it to a certain extent. Like, of course, you gotta set some rules because yeah, I mean, um, Axon R was an embarrassment because it looked better than anything Star Trek was doing. Mm-hmm. They had to they had to say, okay, you can't spend more than a million dollars. I get it. The fact that you got a million dollars is uh, uh not in, not in this era of crowdsourcing. Sure. Like I get it. Um but we wanted to go back to that uh, to that exploring thing yeah. and to to seeing new things, creating new aliens and new situations yeah. and like honestly this first season we dealt with a lot of old school Star Trek business, mm-hmm. but it is my intention and we've discussed this going forward to do less and less of that, not not none. Yeah. Probably it's more our do, own stuff than like Yeah. You know, like I would love I would love by say season three for apart from the characters we started with, for everything to be creations of ours. Yeah. Like to be our our whole original creation apart from these Starfleet guys that mm. we made. Like, that's the goal because you know, we want to be somewhere interesting and also we don't want to be seen as trying to like rip off because we're not trying to rip anything off. We're just trying to make our own thing, you know? Yeah. So so that's all we started with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't know what your process was, but I, I – after we talked about it all, I was like, I need to write the pilot. If you want to – like, you can change anything you want. You get total veto power. You can rewrite whatever you want. But I need to sit down and at least write the first sure. draft of the pilot just to – like, the tone was the hardest thing for me. Yeah, and then I basically waited and read the pilot when
0: you were done. <laughs>
1: yeah, because – Where do I you start? Agonized. Like, Like, well – you and I have written together extensively for more than 10 years, but mm-hmm. all we ever written together is is comedy. Yeah. We write pretty good comedy together. I would like to think so. I, I can't be objective. I'm only judging by if I'm happy with what we've done. Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy with some of the stuff we've written together. Yeah. We, Matt and I click as writers in a way that- Is weird. Is, <laughs> is weird and baffling. Uh-huh. We will open a Google Doc that we are both contributing to and I will start writing a sentence and he'll say, Hold on, and he'll move the cursor up and finish the sentence for me. Yeah, it shouldn't work like that. we, we are two very weird. different people with different tastes, as we've hashed out on our other show a lot. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to writing, we know like we know what fits. Yeah. We've got that we're both building with the same Lego set, and it's like, oh, you're going off in that direction. I didn't expect that, but you're still using the same piece as I am. Yeah. And it, it's great. So it's like, okay, that's good, but this isn't a comedy. I don't want this to be a parody. I don't want it to be like, what if we made fun of Star Trek? No, there's that, there's that was, some of that in there. But. Yeah,
0: but our uh, it was always like, the characters are, are funny. The,
1: the, the situation shouldn't be. Well, on the post-atomic horror, because we had run out of Star Trek mm-hmm. recently, we started reviewing other things and- the the last part of that exercise was us picking some shows that we like. Like the two of us are very like enthusiastic about jointly, mm. and all three of those shows were incredibly character driven shows. That's our that's our thing. Yeah, like yeah, we like stuff like The Simpsons or whatever that's gag you know gags with some character, mm. but the character thing has to be the the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. And so what I did, what I do when I do any project is I immerse myself in the thing that it is. Mm. We. We did a uh, throwback to old radio project some time ago, and I just I watched a lot of old movies. I listened to a lot of old radio. Like, um, I, I used to write a comedy soap opera, and I watched a ton of soap operas mm-hmm. just to you know just to get a feel for what it is. When when we did our Nick and Willickins thing, I watched a bunch of British stuff. Yep. And it, just, it, it gives me ideas. It gives me ideas of tone. It gives me specific things to make fun of or to reference or whatever. And so for this, it's like okay, I'm gonna go back and watch some of my favorite Star Trek. Like, I'm gonna not all of it obviously, but like the best movies, the best episodes. And sure. like Jot down notes. What do they have in common? What is it that I'm responding to? What is it that I like? And the thing that came up over and over and over again was friendship,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which seems dumb, like obvious dumb, but like really when JJ Abrams like relaunched the franchise, the reason I responded to it and I don't want to speak for you, but I bet you too. Mm. Is because he realized the key to all of that, like all of those adventures, was this guy and his friends. Yeah, this guy and his friends in space. And And sometimes there's other people. (laughs) Yeah. He he focused mostly on Kirk and Spock. And Mm. I think Bones should have been a bigger part of it. But apart from that, the fact that that whole first movie was the cornerstone of it was – this world is nothing unless Kirk and Spock are at each other's side and best friends. Yeah, exactly. The whole movie is building that. It hinges like the, it hinges on that. Yeah, that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I responded to. That's why, yeah, it's a big dumb action movie. It doesn't make sense. The villain is kind of terrible. It's still literally. Nobody's my really favorite. sure why uh why Kirk gets abandoned on a planet for no reason. No, or why he gets promoted from cadet to captain. There's a lot of giant holes. Mm-hmm. But The reason I responded to it, and it's literally my favorite movie, it's straight up is, it's it's not the best movie I like, but it is my favorite movie. Yeah. Because it understands those characters and it gets why they're so important to each other. That's it. That's what got, like, they got the friendship. That's the main thing. And when you go back through all the stuff we liked in all the different series, like in uh, Next Gen, we loved- Data and Geordie's friendship. We loved Picard and Guinan's friendship. We loved Riker and Troy's. Fr- yep. Like it was. It's always you can single out single characters, but it's their relationship to other characters that we like the most. Mm-hmm. DS Nine is all just amazing pairings of friends. Yeah, like it's an. That's our favorite Trek series. But so much <clears throat> of that has to do with like Bashir and O'Brien and and Cisco and Dax and yeah. Dax and Kira and like just. Uh, Bashir and, and Garrick and like friendships. Yeah. That's always what it's about. And then when we get to Voyager and it's a little rougher, it's still like, okay, but you still got Janeway and Chakotay. Yeah. And you got like Seven and um, Naomi Wildman. Mm-hmm. And like it, it's always, it always came back to that. It's like, okay, that has to be the cornerstone of our thing. That like all the Star Trek stuff's going to be in there, but we have to build this on a friendship. And it's like, okay, we're doing, we're doing shorter things. We're not doing hour long episodes. We're not going to have a big like, seven or eight person bridge crew that we're going to focus on every week. Let's pare it down to three. Yeah. And let's do that sort of classic, like Star Trek, like the trio. Yeah. Kirk, Spock and bones. Mm -hmm. Like, All right. And I agonized and I, I, I bounced this off of you a lot and you, you created these characters just as much as I did. I don't Mm -hmm. want to make it sound like this was all me, but in terms of their relationships, this is something I thought about forever. Sure. Is like, if this character is like this, we have to make this one like this and they can't be this way and like the dynamic between the three of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, if these two are smart, we need someone who's kind of dumb. Ugh. If this one is kind of a mess, we need someone who's really together. Yep. If this one is th- like we always needed that and they always had to not just balance in two ways, but in three ways. Mm-hmm. And that was so important to me going into it. And every new idea you shot at me and every new idea I shot at you had to be filtered through that. Yeah. Because everything would be built on these three. And in terms of what we've gotten right, I think I think we did that well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of credit to the performers there. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, no kidding. But in terms of what we've given them to work with, I think we've done a good job yeah. with that. So, well, I mean, end of the know. day, it's my favorite thing to write of these is just those three guys chatting. And that's. That's the sign of a good show to me is if you can do an episode that's not about very much, and I still just want to watch everyone hang out. Yeah, that's like a plus. Mm-hmm. We talked about this. Uh, when did we talk about this on, I, our, on our show? I don't know. I've, oh no, sorry, sorry. This was when I was on uh, on Tinseltown. We oh, okay. about the the Thin Man movies and how the mystery completely doesn't matter because it's just about this. No, you're
0: you're there. For, you're just there to hang out with the
1: characters. Yes, exactly. This this charming couple that um, Frank and Sadie Doyle were mm-hmm. eventually based on. It's just a, like a, a drunk couple of socialites yeah. just being cute. Mm-hmm. Who cares that they solve mysteries? Yeah, you just want to see them. They be <laughs> cute. doing fucking anything or nothing. Yeah. No, mind you, we do care what they're doing, and we do want to write some stories about things, well, and we do want to deal with some issues. But as we'll talk about in a minute, I also sometimes just want to see what they do when they have lunch together mm-hmm. or whatever. So, we talked a little about the performers. Um, we actually auditioned people, which i've been <laughs> I've been yeah. producing audio dramas for like seven years now, and I'd never done this before. It's always just like, here's who I have, here's the roles, here's who you're playing this yeah. week." I'd never given any thought like I always think about it like, okay, this will be a good role for Amanda or whatever, mm. but I've never thought, why don't we get them to read for it first and then have to pick and uh, it was it was a new experience mm-hmm. for us yeah it was weird yeah well yeah i i know you had had some thoughts about it not being entirely pleasant
0: well like you know a lot of the people we uh we auditioned are personal friends of mine who i didn't want to disappoint oh you don't want to disappoint a stranger either i know i you. know but it's a little easier than disappointing say amanda or sabrina people i have been friends with for a long fucking time
1: yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And the thing is of the auditions we got, they they all would have worked because yeah. these are all people I've worked with for years and understand my stuff and are good at like good at acting. Mm-hmm. Like they're 100% all good performers, but on top of that, they've also for years been working with my scripts so they know what I'm looking for as a writer sure. and a director. So on top of that, there's that. And I didn't want to tell any of them no, and unfortunately we had to and I still feel bad about that. Yep. There's one person in particular that I feel particularly bad about. Mm-hmm. And I think you know who I'm talking about. I, I don't do. want to Yeah. They made it into the show in another role, which mm-hmm. is good, but I still like oh, they were so good at all the things they they auditioned for and they could've uh it was such yep. a hard thing to do. So hard. Mm-hmm. But ultimately I think we ended up with like I don't disagree with any of our casting choices. Our cast is so good. Our uh, our people are so well, fucking good. Uh, one or two of the roles that I've taken on, I wish I hadn't. But other than that. <laughs> I am a performer by default. If you hear me on the show, it is 90% because I couldn't find another dude in the range that I needed. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, well, I'm here and I have a mic. I guess I'll do it. <clears throat> There's one exception, which we'll get to in a minute. Sure. Uh. No, I, um, so I, get- I remember when we started this, I didn't want to do any of that. I did like, I just wanted to yeah. do the writing. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
1: And that's that's generally my my like, neither of us have sort of like like important recurring guys. No, we just sort of pop up in the background when it's required. Yeah, but I Which mean, is, you know, you, you get know. far enough in, it's like,
0: no, oh, I want to have fun too.
1: Yeah, of course. <laughs> and you know, I maybe someday we'll we'll have roles that are like part of the ensemble. I mean, I guess your um, I guess your rice. Oh yeah, is hang, hanging around from time to time. Sure. Right I don't see him as important enough to be in a lot of episodes. Rice is so third tier in like the cat like yeah.
0: our cast. He's like, here's he's the guy who hangs out with this guy who's not on the show that much.
1: Yeah, here's the supporting character, and here's the supporting character's sidekick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So Unless you have anything else to say about sort of the genesis of the show, I think we can start. To... I, yeah, no, let's just, let's roll into the first episode. All right, so yeah, we're going to do this sort of episode by episode. So yeah. the first one, "New Life," which you know the title comes from "New Life" and new civilizations. Mm-hmm. Like a, it's the, there, there, <laughs> there aren't a lot of words left from the original Star Trek thing to use in a title. So. Yeah,
0: it's also it's a very. I always thought it was a very good pilot. Like it, calling it "New Life" is a very piloty thing. For a new
1: Star yeah. Trek show, I felt. I, I overthink the titles all the time, and I wanted it to have the double meaning. I wanted it to be from the original, you know, the New Life and New Civilizations. But also, these people are going to their new life. Yeah. Like, in, in the Omega Quadrant. Um, so, like I said, writing this was one of the hardest things I have ever done. It had jokes, but it was mostly serious. Like, the tone, it took me months. The show was supposed to launch in January. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to tell you now. It did not launch until March. I've never done that. One of the few things that I will brag until I'm blue in the face about is that I deliver on a deadline. Otherwise, I'd like, oh, yeah. maybe I suck. I don't know. But this is one thing I know I'm good at. Oh, I yeah. Am not, I am not two months late with a script ever. And I just couldn't find, like, the first one, the first pass was so serious. uh uh-huh. And then the second pass was too too like, uh, silly. And then it was, the mix was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, I'm not a good enough writer to completely invent a whole new tone on my own. I need something to start with. Sure. And it wasn't going to be like any Star Trek series. It was going to be lighter. hmm Maybe a bit like the original series, because that could be light, but also not 60s, so not really. Yeah. So I was like, okay, need to think out of the box. What, what else can I, and I, what I eventually landed on was Buffy. Mm-hmm. It's nothing like Buffy except that it's dealing with sort of a hardcore genre that can be serious but none of the characters take it super seriously. Yeah. And the characters can be silly but also they have serious like they're they're grounded complex characters but also they're kind of goofy. Mhm. It's like yeah, that's it. That's the formula right there. Yeah. And that like and it seems to work. Or or the Marvel movies, like I'm not saying Joss Whedon is the only person who's ever pulled that off. Yeah. The Marvel movies do that very well. The good ones do mm-hmm. where you have fairly psychologically interesting. I, won't, I don't want to say complex, but interesting characters doing big, serious genre stuff. But also they're kind of silly sometimes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're in a you're in a world where you step in a magic box and poof, you're in a different magic box in another room somewhere mm-hmm. like what? that. Come on. It's not like, you know, it ain't Ibsen. Yeah. You know? <laughs> say it ain't but, Ibsen. Ibsen, Ibsen. A, it's a it's a Bojack riff. Oh, that's what his mother said about his uh, too smart for the room. <laughs> All right, All right. Um, uh So I went back and listened to this recently, and uh, so it dropped in March of 2019. I listened to it in December of 2019. Sure, already in that eight months, I don't like it anymore.
0: <laughs> no, too- there's there's stuff there's stuff in there. There there's 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 good bones in there. There's
1: writing a pilot is hard. Like professionals, Professionals professional struggle with this. I just came like, in and did punch up on this one, but like, fuck. Yeah. No, it was so, because I wanted, I didn't want to spend the whole season introducing everyone. I had to have the three in yeah. place and friends by the end of it. And I had to introduce the situation. I like the setting and here's the captain and, mm-hmm. here's, and I, it was so many things. Yeah. And, I tried to do it as best I could and I think I did an okay job yeah. but I I it's too talky and it's too exposition. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not that two-page speech that Brian's character has at the very beginning where he tells you what the Omega project is yep. or Nimbus project or whatever it is like that got shortened from like 5 pages that's the yeah. best I could do. Yeah.
0: Well, I, and it's cuz you got you got to get that shit out if you're gonna if so you can go forward you know yeah like this sucks but let's burn through it as quickly as possible so you know we know we can get on to the good stuff
1: in a minute and it still had some good stuff in it oh yeah it still had some interesting ideas in it i think Mm -hmm. uh it is well and brian's a great a great choice for selling that too (laughs) oh yeah well brian uh and he plays a bunch of uh uh, supporting characters throughout the season and Mm -hmm. he will come up again um when we do conventions and I am sort of too self-conscious and and like self-aware to promote, Brian will put on his carnival Barker's outfit. Yep. And just which he say, actually owns. Yes. <laughs> Come listen to the post-nomicor. La 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 la. Like <laughs> he's so good at that. And so casting him as like the the sort of amiable but a little fakey. I don't think Brian's like that, but I think he can sure. play it. Like like a uh, press, you know, press guy. Mm-hmm. Plus, I wanted to get my dumb joke in about uh, about Jake Sisko not you know not appearing. <laughs> but you know, I don't asleep. know like what I put what I put out there as the sample of this was Dal running into seven of nine, and I stand by that. I think that yeah. that little bit there came out very well. Yeah, I agree. And there were other bits. I, I um, it's the first time you hear Rich Thorns theme for the show. Oh, and- so good. Rich, Rich was a listener of of uh, Horror, and he wrote in when he heard we were doing this project. He's like, "Hey, I do music. If you wanna, if you want me to write any music for you," and at this point, I was prepared to do it myself. Like, I am not a musician, but I am competent at throwing loops together in GarageBand yeah. to make it sound like music you haven't heard before. But really, they're just public domain loops that I've arranged in a, in an order no one has before. Yeah. but I'm not composing. I did it for our soap opera, and I'm very happy with what I did. I would mm-hmm. have made good enough music for this. It would not, it, it would not have distracted you with its badness, but it would have not have been original or interesting or inspiring. And yeah, to this day, I have heard that no shit more than a hundred times mm-hmm. when I hear that opening bit, the, the tinkle. Yep. Like I tear up. It's <sighs> I get a chill. It's, like, it's so
0: good. It's so fucking. And it's so, it's so star Trek.
1: Yep. Without without being, there's no da 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 da, yeah. da 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 Like it doesn't have the melody that could get us sued. We're just doing this for fun. But <laughs> it's so clearly the thing that we're evoking at the same time.
0: Yeah, like that fucking and that like brr brr that like yep. we have to open scenes and stuff. It's so the next like next gen shots of like the Enterprise going like going past yep. the planet or whatever. It's so fucking good. <laughs>
1: Here's a weird thing. When I was editing, uh, might have been the first one. It doesn't matter. Mm. When I was editing episode, I put his music in there, and the music is outstanding. Like yep. of course, it's amazing, but it didn't sound quite right. Mm-hmm. It was. It was while Gia was giving a captain's log, and so I put the rumble of the ship under it. Mm-hmm. There's no ship. We're not looking at the <laughs> ship. We're just listening to a guy narrate his log. There's no reason to hear that. But subconsciously, when you're when you're like experiencing a Star Trek story and you imagine you're looking at the ship and you're not. It felt wrong. Yeah. So you'll notice now when it, when there's a voiceover, like, like, you know, when you cut away from a scene and then la- it's later, Captain's Log, like, you always hear that rumble. There's no logical reason for it. It just didn't sound right without it. Yep. <laughs> but uh, Rich is, I cannot sing his praises highly yeah. enough. He does such an amazing job and he's delivered he's- almost an Almost an hour of original music for this for this 10 episodes.
0: And he's so fucking adaptable too.
1: Oh, yeah. No, and he and I have lots of back and forths about uh, musical reference. Yeah. Like uh, one episode in particular later in the season, I, I showed him my playlist of things I was listening to while I was writing it. Mm-hmm. And I said, nothing you write has to be anything like this, but just so you know where my head was. And what he delivered was a lot like that the opening thing seems like Star Trek, but isn't. Mm-hmm. It, it was like... Well, this isn't anything like what you had, and yet it has exactly the same feel as what you were listening to. Um, So uh, if you go to USS ussendeavor.com after after this episode drops, there will be a link. I'm going to put it there on the front page to uh, Rich's Bandcamp page. I'm going to put it right on our front page there. He is selling this first season soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Please, if you like the music, if you want to support this show, please buy it. Yeah. Like... It's amazing music. It's worth listening to. It's not just like throwing in a donation. It's you're getting something for your money. Mm-hmm. But also, we give him, as as we do all the performers, everyone who contributes, we give them a cut of our Patreon. And I'm very pleased that people donate, but we're not raking in enough for this to be a job. No. For the amount of work he does for us, he deserves to get paid more than he is. And I think you guys really should go support him. Mm-hmm. And- Again, USS I will put the link near the bottom. You can you can click on it and and please support, you know, support independent artists. Yeah. Um uh, so this is the first time we meet uh, Admiral Soraya, which was your pitch. Yeah, I wanted like I wanted uh, just an asshole.
0: Uh-huh. I wanted someone like I wanted someone in charge. Like Jellico. Yeah, exactly. And I wanted someone in charge who nobody fucking liked. He gotten yep. booted out onto onto this project
1: because no one ever wanted to see him again. Yeah, and this this premise that I came up with involved being literally the furthest from any Starfleet thing ever. So you're like, well, that's perfect for my idea. Yeah, someone put him in this like literally a different galaxy. <clears throat> um, I thought he might be good for
0: like going forward, like an antagonist type character, and you know,
1: also in really into the fleet part of the Starfleet thing. I don't see him, like, and this is, you know, we can hash this out as we write things. Mm. I don't see him as an antagonist so much as like a, he's on your side, but it's so hard to get him to to help you because he's such an asshole. See, I always saw him as not like a bad guy
0: or anything, but like, this is a wall that you have, you you are going to have to deal with this
1: because he doesn't like you and he doesn't want to be here. But I think ultimately at the end of the day, he's still on your side. Sure. He's just going to make it as difficult as possible for you to get what you need Mm -hmm. from him. Like he's an obstacle, yes, but I still think he's on on the right team. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if we ever had a point where loyalties got divided or whatever, I don't. I still think he's loyal to the fleet, loyal to the commission. Well, sure. Like that's part of his character. Also, we had talked about, and we'll talk about this a lot in a minute. Mm. Um, but we had talked about uh, diversity and representation, and, and and like the fact that Star Trek has never had a character from anywhere in the region of india pakistan yeah. anywhere in that part of the world is baffling to me mm-hmm. cuz like that's a that's like 20% of the world's population or something yeah, seriously, we've never like, seen even like one main character from over there on on any star trek like mm. arguably bashir but he was english by way of wherever his parents were from yeah. like he wasn't exactly he was ki- he kind of stood in for all brown people from a region. Yeah. And that's not, the, I like Bashir, but come on, we need to do better. And yeah, so no, from like, the okay. minute he showed up, it's so, a, hello. <laughs> yeah. And I love him, but. Oh yeah, to death. He, he was, he was never that. Yeah. His parents were a little bit, mm-hmm. but he wasn't, but, and, and Vishal had done voice work for me before, so it wasn't like, okay, well, I only know one Indian guy, so he'll do it. Mm-hmm. No, it was more like this, well, we can we can hone in specifically on Indian because I know an Indian guy who does voice acting. Yeah. So that's you know that made him that and Vishal has added wonderful uh, uh color nuance mm-hmm. to the character. He's he's given us a bunch of little suggestions that we've worked in. He's like the way he says lieutenant instead yeah. of lieutenant is a small example of that more more character stuff too, but uh it's very good. He actually wrote one of the shorts uh that we featured mm-hmm. uh, we'll be featuring and um Focuses on Soraya and kinda kinda fleshes them out a little sure. bit, which is great. Um but talking of us making like cameo appearances at the beginning, we appeared as like one-line reporters at the beginning of yeah. this one. <laughs> and I don't know why I had to give them names and I, I brainstormed and agonized for weeks over like dumb pun names and I, I landed on Woodwarp and Burnstar. Hilarious. <laughs> right, look, man. <laughs> would you rather be reporter two? I mean <clears throat> It's so my actual name. I'm ReporterBot2. Hello? <laughs> yeah. I No, I wanted to, like, every character's got a name. <clears throat> and we have a reference wiki, and everyone appears in the wiki. Yep. Uh, there's an iTunes review of the show. I think it was made right after the pilot that says we lampshade things too much. And uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. We,
0: <laughs> we both came into this with
1: personal axes to grind, and we will grind them all day long. I am trying to get better about that. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of things that anyone who listened to the Post-Atomic Order for a long time knows Bother us in Star Trek or don't make sense. Yep, and we talked about them a lot. That's that's just that's how it goes, man. Mm-hmm. Um, we one of the big things. This is what I want to talk about. Is I know this pilot hits the multicultural thing uh, really hard, but it is a thing I am very passionate about. This is we talked about what we got, went in wanting from the show. This is one of my main things. We got to talking about this via Discovery when we realized that is probably not going to be captain because aliens don't get to be captains. Yeah. And that expanded to this greater discussion of like, okay, so humans are the white Americans of this show. That is the That is the metaphor of the show. That mm-hmm. is the language it speaks. So other Star Trek races represent other cultures on Earth. Yeah. And all you ever do is talk about how greedy the Ferengi are and how bad the Klingons smell. That's a bad look. Yeah, it really is if that's the metaphor we're working with and yeah of course it's science fiction and whatever yeah. but really if like you remember all the talk when Star Trek 6 came out well the klingons are the russians yeah so we're going to do a story about the berlin wall falling well yeah. that's great but if the klingons are the russians maybe don't talk about how they eat like animals and smell bad yeah like that's like if just... you're going if you're doing the metaphor you have to be aware of what the metaphor means and when you look at it through that lens of how the Federation is supposed to be this model of diversity. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, but it's always a human in charge. Yeah. Almost always the humans are the most important ones. Mm -hmm. We're always talking about earth being the most important place and making like earth metaphors. And it's a bad look. Mm -hmm. And there's some things going on in the world right now where it's like, maybe nationalism isn't the best way to go. Maybe I can use this to talk about that. Yeah. So yeah, in the pilot, I know I hit that hard and I backed off it a little, but it's still very much a part. Which is Kutch struggling with? Well, I'm not a human. I got to act more human yeah. to be more Starfleet. I'm trying right? to get.
0: I'm trying to get ahead in this in in this job, so I should play up like how human yeah. I am and how great humans are. And, and I wa- like I like the delivery. That's that's sad.
1: I was very happy with that. Yes, <laughs> happy with writing it. Happy with uh, Kara's read on it. Just yeah. just all of it. Uh-huh. um, but Gia like taking going out of his way to be a little too supportive of that i thought was good too like like we decide i had a i had real trouble with this character at first you said he's like hank scorpio but good yeah which which was a start that helped me like direct joe Mm -hmm. but in terms of writing him i still struggled and it's like okay i get it he's the dad at the gay pride parade who's a little too supportive and embarrasses his gay son. The son is so happy his dad supports him, but mm-hmm. it's like, dad, dad, dial it down. This is about me. Uh-huh. Come on. Yeah. Please stop. I love my alive gay son. You know, like, <laughs> that's Gia too. Like, yep. diversity, hooray, the Federation. And you had, like, when I said that to you, you're like, yeah. And he sees Endeavor as like this, this almost like a an Im- evangelical, like, like they're spreading the good news about the Federation. Yeah, yeah. I think we actually worked that line in there, but like, I love that idea of him so believing in that. But part of that is he built a crew that is like our main cast. There's no human. Yeah, exactly. Soraya's, Soraya's the only full human. Naomi's half. That's it. Yeah. That was important to me because we're trying to be more culturally aware and we're trying to not make everything about white dudes. And in the world of Star Trek, that means not making everything about human beings. Yeah. And like, I'm not gonna like. It's gross and bad to say each alien race represents a human culture. I'm not saying that. No, that's no, no. But that's a dangerous that's, and bad. that's horrible. It is. I'm not saying that even a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying symbolically, if you're gonna talk about diversity, you need to not just have one thing. And I think we've done a pretty good job of that. Mm between the queer thing and making everyone different kinds of aliens I think I think we've done a pretty good job of that. Yeah. Um, plus we had talked about how Tellarites are supposed to be one of the founding members of the Federation and we've seen like they've they showed up, up in, twice in 50 years. Well, they showed up in the original series a handful of times yep. and then they showed up in Enterprise the prequel series cuz we had to build to where the Federation was. Mm-hmm. And that's it they never showed up in any of the modern yeah. ones. And it's like who are these guys? They're one of the like they're supposed to be as important as Vulcans or humans. But where are they? Yeah. And so I got to thinking, okay, their culture is all about like the one thing we know about them, like the Ferengi are greedy, the Vulcans are coldly and coldly logical, Mm -hmm. like Tellarites are like stubborn and argumentative. Yeah. I wanted to turn that into a real culture thing and not just like that's that's the joke. Yeah. And I think that was this was this was my thing that I wanted to build the culture on like and I wrote this line in one of the episodes, like, it's more like the scientific method. It's more mm-hmm. like they're deliberately trying to disprove whatever your idea is because the best idea will survive. Them. Yeah. And once we hit on that, and that's the culture Kutch comes from, it's like, yeah, but that really wouldn't work if you work around a bunch of humans. Yeah. Well, you've got and that that, w- guy, that one guy is like, no. <laughs> that's not, you can't argue with your captain every time he says something. Yeah. And so that was the conflict that I wanted to bring to the pilot. And yeah, it was too talky and there were too many speeches, but I think like that as a, as a character con conflict, I could have written it better, but I think my heart was in the right place. Sure. It was like, cause it, it got Kutch's character out there. It got like the idea of a Tellarite and also why we've never, it's sort of retcons why you've never seen a Tellarite on a starship before. Mm-hmm. They usually only serve with their own kind. Yeah. A- and it gave him a struggle to like, well, I should be more human. And then the captain's saying, no, no, you shouldn't. You should yeah. be more you. You should just make that work. And I think I paid that off later in the season, which we'll talk about. Absolutely. I don't want to take credit for everything. I just happened to write this episode. Sure. Uh, and uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was the star shell. Was oh, yeah. Old, that was from a story I had been working on for like 20 years and like <laughs> using this project to unload a lot of stuff that I've had in the back, like, you know, in the notebooks for a long time. Sure. Which is nice. Um. Oh, uh, so our friend English Gav, Gav mm-hmm. Drury, uh, uh, is very passionate about science. He uh, reads a lot about science. He, when they used to do their Doctor Who uh, show, would talk a lot about the science of different things the mm. show talked about. And he's a good person for reading things that I am too stupid or ADHD to understand <laughs> and explaining them to me in a way that makes sense, mm-hmm. or more importantly, explaining them to me in a way that I can use it in science fiction because he also understands the difference between real science and science fiction. So he has helped us a lot when we have kind of a core of an idea. What if we did this? Mm -hmm. He will tease out some real combination of real science and fake science and tell us how to make it work. He has been an excellent resource like in helping us develop ideas from this is a weird idea. Would this work? And he'll just sort of suggest how it might logically work. Which is very generative as far as material goes. Mm. Like, I don't know how water aliens are going to work, but I wanted water aliens and he's like, well, here's how it might work. And that helped me figure out what the story was. So, you know, that was good. Yeah, then we go
0: from there. Yeah.
1: And then the last thing I wanted to say for (laughs) this episode was, uh, I I deliberately wanted to use up the punchlines you're becoming more human every day and no Tribble at all. Yeah. Like, just so we get them out of, like, we've done that now. We yeah. can't do it again. Mm. I did that in my first two episodes. I did it in, in <laughs> one and three, so they're done now. They're out of the, like, we fired those bullets. They're gone. No trouble at all at the end of Cutcha Duo Do About Nothing is such a good
0: fucking button for the episode. Well, you mean that's no tr- Jason. You mean no trouble oh, yeah. at all? No, no what I, I say? say. <laughs> <laughs> fucking great.
1: I still, I, I kind of stole that setup, like, that, that joke structure from Bob's Burgers. Uh-huh. A lot of times people will say a thing and Gene won't understand what it is. So say, Did you mean trouble? <laughs> I, they do that joke a lot and it, it always makes me <laughs> laugh because Gene's perspective is just so weird. This is me now. Mm-hmm. All right. On to episode two where you get to talk uh-huh. for a while. So I contributed the title. Sure. Because I wanted a, an old school, like, original series title. Uh, and a very small handful of notes and punch up otherwise this is all you uh-huh. it's one of my fa- we've written a lot of stuff together and this is one of my favorite things you've done
0: i don't remember when we decided to make dal have depression well we knew someone was gonna but yeah i know I, we
1: wanted something in there just cuz god knows we fucking deal with it oh yeah Well, you you i mean i don't want to speak for you uh uh-huh. do you if you want to talk about what your specific I've er- had urgences. depression and anxiety for
0: uh let's see it's 2019 so forever. Um yeah. I was going to say you don't you don't just catch that. You've you've been that way <laughs> since you were born. <laughs> and you know like this turned into a really good way to sort of sort of talk about that and yeah, Dal and turned Star out Trek. to be the perfect fucking character to deal with it, like work through a whole
1: bunch of crap. Star Trek has not dealt with this at all. Like yeah. they gave us Barkley who was nervous and probably an anxiety case but like he was such a broad well, comedy Yeah, character. It was all,
0: it was all played for comedy and I really wanted someone who was just like like I first of all I really wanted to deal with the fact that you know this kind of thing doesn't go away just cuz it's the future, you know? No. Like brains are hard and Curing anything
1: like that sounds like just wrong to me. No, and we had a long discussion about this, and I said, "Well, curing it, no, but treating it, yeah, yeah. Treatment would have gotten better, but it's still a regular treatment you have to receive. They don't just flip a switch and you're cured. You have to, just like now, you have to take the meds and you have to go to therapy. You have to do both things, or it's not going to work. And both of those things are so against Dal as a person." Yeah, therapy and especially, I hate so much. And there's a there's a sh- uh, crazy ex girlfriend dealt with mm. this a little bit, where the series opens with her flushing her meds down the toilet. I was yeah, like, oh, fuck. I hate when shows do this. And now I'm a good person again. Yep. No. And I said I my request to you, my one request is please don't make it sound like meds are a bad thing. No, please. fuck,
0: man. Getting on medication this was just the hardest thing I
1: ever did in my entire yeah. life. But that's the only thing I wanted. Like you take this wherever you want. Mm. But I want to make sure you don't paint meds as a bad thing because they're not.
0: No, I th- this whole episode was the benefits of getting yeah. regular medical treatment and yeah. relying on other on your friends to help you get through like you don't go through this alone, that's no. how things get
1: bad. I mean, that's that's the therapy part of it. Okay, yes, a professional therapist is a better choice, but mm-hmm. if you if all you have is a support network, that's still something. Yeah. Well, the therapy thing I want to get to eventually, but <laughs> I uh, we will talk because as I sketch out episode 2 of season 2 there we're yeah we'll talk mm-hmm. um but yeah she like you made you painted a more realistic portrait of neurodivergence than I have seen in any of Star Trek or in most of pop culture cuz pop culture still doesn't like there's a handful of shows that are getting better at it. Bojack Horseman's pretty good at mm-hmm. it. Uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, uh, Maria Bamford's show, yeah. uh, Lady, Lady Dynamite, was really good at the mania part of it.
0: Sure fucking was. I can't watch but,
1: that show. No, it was. It made me uncomfortable it was so accurate. Uh-huh. But those – and, you know, I don't watch everything. I'm sure there's others, but there's not much. hmm And the overwhelming stack of evidence in the case against yeah. Of, Bad representations of neurodivergence of, well, depression just means you're sad. Yeah, well, and I get into that, too. <laughs> yes, you do. And you you made it more realistic, and you made her sympathetic without, like, bending things to the point where she's good and everything's bad. Yeah. You still make her a flawed character, but she's also sympathetic. That's yeah. a hard line to walk, man. You did a really good job. Yeah, well, and I wrote most of this in a fugue state, so I don't remember how any of it happened. So much of the best stuff you
0: have brought to me mm-hmm. is in a fugue state like, I, this is how I write it's the weirdest thing in the world. this is how I write. I write like I have to write like I have a fucking uh essay due at the end of the month mm-hmm. and I just sit the fuck down and just pound out pages and it's the weirdest fucking thing in the world, and when they're done, I don't know how I got here I'm
1: covered in sweat and i'm and I'm not sure what happened. see my process involves also a rush at the end, but the the middle part is so different. Mm. I brainstorm and I research and I take notes and it grows in my head and I can't, like, I can't pick it till it's ripe. I yeah. can't, like, I can't write it until it's ready to be written. And if I try, it's going to suck. Yeah. I need to, and it's never, I know that sounds like laziness. I know that sounds like some Jake Cisco ass, <laughs> like, uh, it's not ready. No, I think my body of work reflects that I will deliver it when it's ready. Mm-hmm. It It will happen. It's just sometimes I'm not quite feeling it yet and it needs a minute and but when it's ready it will come all pouring out the same way so mm. it's, it's weird to me how different we approach it but then when we write together how we yeah. can just click it's so so weird
0: well when we're working together it's bouncing something off someone else when it's just me it's me and my own
1: in my own fucking head trying to figure shit out <laughs> but i think that's part of the reason why we haven't been able to write this show that way mm. because jokes are one thing you and i oh have- yeah written and performed together for more than a decade. Mm-hmm. Like counting the dumb webcomic we made since 2006. Yep. That's 14 years. Like we we Ooh. know each other's we know each other's comedy rhythms very well. Yeah. So, of course we finish weekend, each other's sentences. Oh, well, th- I was going to say sandwiches, but mm-hmm. yeah. well, fuck. Also you finished it yourself, mm-hmm. so <laughs> didn't even give me the chance. <laughs> That's my move, man. Um <laughs> how dare you. But uh it's harder to write more serious stuff like that because it's not like comedy rhythm. there's so many more factors there's mm. there's themes and there's character stuff and it's like I guess we could try to write like, okay, you be Dal and I be Kutch and we'll just write the scene as those characters that's that, that, that sound really work yeah either. I don't know. So uh, I also really want to highlight uh, all of our performers have done amazing jobs mm-hmm. but Amanda. Like right out of the gate, still learning this character, Amanda really yeah, just nailed oh my all God. this Dal stuff. Like the long speech she has, where her uh, log turns into just this self-hating, horrible. Like you know, like it's a, it's a very long thing, and she's transforming from I got to sound professional to fuck. I don't know what the fuck's oh,
0: going on. Like, God, I'm so glad that was. I was worried about that one when I was doing it, just because it's like that's a that's a th- that is a thing I have done. Like oh yeah. Where it's just like yeah. you fucking asshole.
1: Yeah. No, I get it. But it's the performers. Anytime we've done something like that, and I have a specific example from later in the season, we'll get to. We write things where we're just like, well, this sounds right in my head, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah. And then the performer just like elevates it, or like I thought this was a, a C, like a, a C plus, you know, script, and they just delivered like a, a an A performance. Mm-hmm. Like that made it so much better, you know. Yeah, um, I love that we're building this DS nine type situation where like every background character could be someone later. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> to Tavir the bartender yep. and um, em- Emric uh, shows Emrick. up in this one. Yep, Emric. Like you wrote, maybe ten lines for Emric, mm-hmm. which were excellent. The Cardassian stuff in particular you put into all this was so good. This I spent so much time thinking about like how Cardassians work. So much more time than so many Star Trek writers spend on whatever alien they You are not but yes. kidding. <laughs> but building it, like, baking it into Dal's backstory, making her parents sort of subtly homophobic in a way that a sort of totalitarian surveillance state yeah. would be. And making Emmerich this sort of still flag-waving patriot. And, mm-hmm. like, what I loved is the seed you planted, consciously or not, that there was some history between those two. Yeah, that I felt, like, for the rest of the season, I'm like, what is that? And then I found that opportunity to use it yeah. later in the season. I was like, oh, yeah. And but it was great. A lot of that was because of Emmerich. Because the way you wrote him and the way Bob played him, mm-hmm. Bob, like, oh, I wanted to punch him. Oh, God, the worst. Emmerich just is
0: so smug and See, this is, terrible. And- this is what happens when you take away the thing someone is reading.
1: Hmm. <laughs> That's all that scene was about, huh? Yeah. Oh, I hate no that sub-tech.
0: so much. It's happened, like... Three or four times to me, just on the bus out in the world, someone will just oh, walk up God. and like, what you reading, Yank? Fuck you. What the hell, man? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Who does that?
1: Yeah. Well, three people in your life, apparently. Uh-huh. No one's done that to me, but you know, bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Um, my only real problem with this episode was the Superman scene. And sure. I, I, I liked the scene. Mm? I, I to the point where I did not suggest cutting it. But after the previous episode, where I spent the entire episode saying Kutch needs to get away from human stuff, yeah. and he and Dal together will like look into a world that isn't super, mm-hmm. like that isn't human, and and read other things, and you're just like, yeah, he's reading Superman. Yep. I like, no, I am. Um, this is too good to cut. But oh man, I um, I was super
0: hesitant about putting that in, but like, I it really sort of helped me figure out who Kutch is. Yeah, it took me a little longer. Honestly. Like. I had a hard time with him for a long, long time. But like that idea that just no matter what, like he's gonna do what he thinks is the right thing. Mm-hmm. That's sort of been with me from the beginning, you know. Yeah, and it sort—I sort of worked it out from
1: there. It—he was—he was always bits of character for me. Like Jason is a good enough performer. So we auditioned everyone but Jason, mm-hmm. and let me tell you why. You know how some directors have that one performer that they always use? Yeah. That's just their guy, like David Lynch with uh, Kyle MacLachlan. hmm Like, Jason Wallace is that guy for me. Yeah. If I'm doing a project and he's available, he's in it, because that guy Cause he's has fucking been amazing. <laughs> a powerhouse performer from day one. Yep. He has done... Like, I put a demo reel together for him recently of all the stuff he's done for us, and it is an amazing body of work, and that's not because of me. Mm-hmm. That's because of him. He is an outstanding performer. And I asked him straight up. I said, look, you have one of the greatest ranges of everyone we have. Do you want to be like all different? You want to be like utility player? You want to be all different background guys every week or you Mm -hmm. want to commit to one of the leads? Those are your, like you'll be in every one. Yeah. But your two options are lock into one voice forever or be a different guy every week or every month. He's like, I I want to be one of the leads. Yep. Okay. Well, this guy we're working on sounds like this. I hope you enjoy doing this every week. And when we get to When we get to episode nine, Mm -hmm. he's got to deliver a full-page speech. (laughs) Bring water. Stick that cheese grater down your throat. Yep. But, like, what I'm saying is, for the longest time, he was sort of a cobbled-together mishmash of compatible ideas, but I didn't really have an idea for the character either until later in the season. Mm -hmm. Like, I wanted him to be a big, dumb, well-meaning lug. Sure. like, Like an Andy Dwyer type. Yeah. And then... Is like, okay, but everyone's, th- like, even you wrote him a little dumber than I imagined him. Sure. And A lot of people, like, talking about the show were talking about him being real d- And, like, okay, he's dumb, but he's in Starfleet. He's not that dumb. Yeah. He reads a lot. He's, he's a he's- type of, like, he has his shit together, you know? And so I kind of tried to correct for that a little bit. Mm. I really like the idea of him being this big, looming, like, one of those, like, bulky troll races, but being gentle. Yeah. That was a big thing for me, like... And I wanted to use that to talk about like – and this isn't an overt theme or anything. It's just something – I wanted to talk a little about toxic masculinity and, and assumptions. Like I wanted him to knit and I wanted yeah. him to like – like things you wouldn't expect the big dumb tough guy to do mm-hmm. because I want him to be sweet and also like multifaceted. But none of that really felt coherent until later in the season, which yeah. we'll talk about. but uh, well, And somehow in, just the way he – like he fits well with the other two too. Yeah, and I wanted him to be like he is the best friend of two women, mm-hmm. and I want them to be completely comfortable around yeah. him. So there's that's a factor as well. Uh, anything else about that one? Uh, I think that's it. You want to move on to three? Yeah. So cut you do about nothing is I talked before. It's <laughs> a great title. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil a little something for you guys. My plan: we're gonna go at least three seasons because my plan every season is to do one of these. Mm-hmm. Next, like the next one's going to be Much Ado about Naomi. Yep. And then the next one's going to be Much a dal about nothing. <clears throat> so, you know, some titles now. I wanted to do, like I said before, I wanted to do a Hangout episode without yeah. much plot. Like I deliberately wanted to show them at launch, comparing notes, like getting into the mission, just the little, little things like reveal more organically some character stuff we couldn't get into the pilot. Mm-hmm. Like one of our big complaints about the original series and Next Gen was they did their, uh, naked time naked now episodes real early right away which were these characters acting hugely out of character before you knew what they were like sure and i don't like when any show does that so i don't want to take huge liberties with these guys i want to put them on crazy adventures where they like where we stretch them and test them but we got to know who they are first mm-hmm. so i deliberately wanted to spend some time with them so we could get to know them to be able to like there was a, there was a reason for that yeah. beyond i have a bunch of half baked comedy ideas that don't really fit as a story so let me just put them together as vignettes mm-hmm. and like that said i knew this ferengi plot would would be happening and i wanted to get it started yeah well i really like the idea of bringing them in sort of late well the 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 pitch for that was thanks for inviting us you jerks and, which, <laughs> which you laughed at at the time too but it was like yeah but really that's their attitude yep. it's like really the powers of the alpha quadrant and you didn't even send us an invite wow. thanks for thanks for nothing wow yeah so we know where we stand Mm -hmm. cool real cool yeah um and I think I could have framed that a little better because I focused so much on it being a hangout episode the danger was so in the background that you almost didn't even realize like at the end you kind of say oh yeah and I talked to the Ferengi we did Mm. it was all tell don't show and I think I salvaged that in a later episode where we flashback and you actually see Kutch doing it yeah I don't know the way I structured it was like it didn't work. Like, I had the scene in there mm. and it didn't work because the whole thing was the whole focus was supposed to be Kutch is in the right place at the right time and he saves the day. Yeah. It's not this new Ferengi situation. And once you get into that, that introduces a whole new thing that I didn't want it to be about. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I took it up. But it does feel like, oh, well, that all happened off screen, though. Like, well, yeah, okay. That's a fair <laughs> point. Yeah. Um, Uh, This is the introduction of Nav. Sabrina does a fantastic job as Nav. Yeah, um, she friggin' does. She is based on someone I knew and worked with who is very much like that, very much the – she had a long career in the Air Force. Like, she was in the Air Force for, like, 11 years or something Mm. like that. But she was also this weird, impulsive, like, I'll just go do a thing because I think it's fun and stop doing it when it's not fun. Sure. And the contradiction of, like, okay, but you were in the most rigid career, like a a career famous for its structure Yeah. For over a decade. You stayed there Mm -hmm. and you let people tell you what to do and where to go but you're still very much this free spirit who just does whatever she wants and I thought that was always fascinating. Yeah. And like uh, also, I uh, in a previous career life, I worked uh, as a defense contractor in military supply, and I always thought that was kind of an interesting world that we never saw in Star Trek. Yeah, they never touch on that stuff at all. It's like, oh, we just replicate supplies. Yeah, yeah but there's it's... always a guy who gets things. Yeah, and but you
0: can't always do that, you know? Like,
1: no, and because we're in a new situation where things are hard to get from back home, it's it's resource heavy to do that. Like that that makes more sense. They did a little of that with Nog in in DS Nine, mm-hmm. but. Like, because a Ferengi in Starfleet would be an excellent quartermaster. He can make deals. He can, yeah. like, give this guy a crate of this to get a, a box of this or whatever. But I don't know. I want to show – and I want to get into this more in season two. I really want to get into, like, using my specific experience to make some interesting stories about, like, how supply – like, you, you know, how, how it's an important job. How it, yeah. Like, how you support uh, uh, an army, you know? Yeah. And, uh, we also got to work in our, our long-running inside joke, Ensign Sad Sack. Yep. Which I was pretty proud of. Played by Brian, obviously. Yeah. Uh, this one and several episodes this season uh, leaned way too much on characters giving long monologues about their backstories. I I know. That's a thing. I do a lot. I'm sorry. The thing is, it's a really good way to work the character out. <laughs> it's audio. So, like you have a lot fewer options. Yeah. I would love to do an all visual episode where you just watch them and learn, but Mm -hmm. you can't. They have to talk. Also, I wrote a soap opera for three years before this, so I I got really into (laughs) characters who walk to the foreground and deliver a long monologue. That's Mm -hmm. just, you know, that's how that works. Um, I like the idea of the station being ruled by this sort of council of the captains. Yeah. I don't know if I've completely delivered on the idea of that. Like we've gone to the situation room a few times, but I feel like it's, we need to, I don't know, I don't want to explain it more necessarily, I just want to make it a little more clear. Do
0: it, yeah. Well,
1: I haven't really had much need for it yet, but... I've put them in just about every story that I've written, but it's always, like, we're back with the captain's why. Yeah. And like, it just needs, like, a line of dialogue, and I keep forgetting to say, like, mm-hmm. I don't need a page of exposition, I just want you guys to understand this is how the station is run. Yeah. Is all the, like, each... Faction has like two guys sitting on this like council that has to vote to make things happen. Yeah, it's just like the like the UN. Like mm-hmm. I I see a lot of this as like the International Space Station or the UN. Like any situation where large, you know, even small groups of of different cultures come together and have to find common ground.
0: Mm. I like the stuff uh,
1: later on, and I think it's Demand Shock is a really good mm-hmm. scene with those guys. Yeah, I was I was pretty happy. Like half that episode happens there. Yeah, yeah, and I was happy with it. I just again. I just don't think I've adequately explained why that room exists. That's all. Uh, also, this is the introduction of, of Nate as a Klingon because, of course, yep. Nate is a huge, you know, Klingon person. Yeah. and there's
0: no way There was no way yeah. that wasn't going to happen, basically.
1: <laughs> also, as of the shorts that are forthcoming, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Kirk is officially uh, uh, canonically straight, so I find it. Very ironic that the queerest person I've known in my entire life is the only straight character on our show. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, Captain Kirk was an idea a dumb, a real dumb idea that I'm real proud of. <laughs> I just cause it started with like, okay, I need to think of you know, you've been there. Sure. Like, what the fuck what am I gonna do, call this guy? What do Cardassian names sound like? Yeah. Let me look at a list of them and see if I can come up with something similar. Yep. Klingon names always have hard consonants. It's always like and I was just trying out sounds. Kirk. Wait a minute. Kirk. God damn it. Ugh. It's like, okay, that's the joke. Yeah. And then I got to work in a reference about uh, Klingons having two dicks. So, you know, win-win. Yay. Dick-dick. <laughs> that's what they call a dick-dick situation. <laughs> it's my Dick-Dick. All dick. right. On to another uh, episode that you wrote. Uh-huh. Bad Day at Nimbus Station. <laughs>
0: i got a i got a uh i got an email from you after I finished the script on this one where you're like, mm-hmm. you're really gonna call it bad day at Nimbus station That's not very mm-hmm. good. I'm like, you never heard of bad day at Blackrock
1: No, I still haven't that was my saving gra- that was that was how I saved it I mean I don't care you call you know you have fifty percent veto power like if you say that's the title i will I will back down but this one uh, came out of we were talking in your basement about it i think yeah most of like after we did the first episode or two, uh-huh. you came up, you came up here to the uh, to the Algar Production Studios, we, aka my home. We did, in, uh, yeah, in Seattle, and and we spent like a weekend together just just hashing stuff out.
0: We did between we did that, and we did a final draft on uh, Serotonin Debacle, which was one of the most enjoyable experiences I've ever had. Did we? <laughs> yep. It was you, me, and Amanda. Cause that was all you. I think
1: we read it, but I don't think we changed
0: much. Uh, I think we went over. Like I think you both had some stuff that we wanted to address, and that was sort ah, of it.
1: But okay. that's sort of. No, I, re- what, I remember having how it notes. Down. But I remember having notes, but that was that script was yeah. all you. Um, no, I just like later on we got some mail about when did you f- figure this out? When did you hash this out? Most of it happened whatever month that was. Yeah, when you came here for like a weekend, and you and I just sat and like. What if we had this? What if we had mm. this? And I have like these, my big obsessive whiteboards in my studio where yep. I like map out the season. It's like, okay, just like a writer's room. And it was like, okay, this will happen by season, by, by episode three, and we'll set up the, the finale for this and and so forth. So, yeah. So, and this came as a result of, I was, I was even by this point saying, Naomi seems a little, like a little too cute. Yeah. And we need to take her seriously as an officer. Well, we need and you're we- like, you're like, yeah, I'll take that.
0: Yeah. We had done like, we were basically at like, we, everyone had gotten an up. Ep- like, our three main characters were getting epi- at like, yeah. their episodes, basically. Yeah, of course. We, we did the Dal on, one, him. which was like super, you know, like, I, yeah, I, I know wasted... that character back to front,
1: so. Yeah, and I wasted Kutch on the, the Hangout episode, but I, re- I don't regret that. But it's still it a good wasn't... episode. It w- we didn't learn much about him, but we spent some time
0: with Yeah. Him. So this one, like, the, the, um, the whole thing for this episode was I wanted to, like Naomi steps the fuck like steps the fuck up and is like a like she d- I talk about in this episode that Gia thinks Naomi's going to be a good captain and like that's sort of my philosophy for her is yeah but yes. I
1: called I called this out in in universe later Gia says that to most people that he is true he never said it to Dal no because she wouldn't and he wouldn't lie <laughs> but. He's he's just a very encouraging dad and would say that to anyone. Yeah, but, but that said, that's not a bad place to start. Her,
0: her her thing is basically she can like she that whole like cute thing can go away when she needs to be when she needs to be a professional.
1: Where know? I where I started with her was Amy Santiago from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Mm-hmm. Amy's cute. Yeah, Amy comes off real cute and a little tightly wound, but also is very good at her job. Exactly, but. It. Need, I mean, she needs to be more than that. I'm not just going to steal Mike Schur's character just because he makes the best characters <laughs> on television. <laughs> but uh, like uh, that, that was sort of the starting point is like, okay, you know, you start with like a, with like a, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? A character type. Like yeah. A, uh, what's the word I mean? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like an archetype. Mm. And then you, you build from your own thing from there. But yeah. I, we needed to move away from her being this child that we knew in Voyager and start making her our own character. Yeah. And so it fell to you to like, we got to take her seriously as as a character. And you're like, well, we said before she's a commander she, or she's lieutenant commander. She's like third in charge. Why did, so she gets bridge duty, right? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I guess so. It's like, well, then she'll have to be captain. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, good idea. And that's yeah. where it started. I remember that.
0: So, and then we had like, I, I really wanted to
1: see if I could do like almost a space battle with no visuals too. So- yeah, that's a lot of Star Trek's like go-to things like are not available to us because we don't have visuals, but you pulled this off really, like it felt like a grown-up Star Trek episode. Yeah, well,
0: quite good. Good, I was
1: that's what I was going for. <laughs> like it felt traditional, mm-hmm. and I mean that 80% is a compliment and 20% is a criticism because I do want us to push into new directions, but also we just started and this is a lot sure. and we're amateurs, mm-hmm. so we'll get there. But I think uh, starting out with things that feel star trek is a very good place to start. Yeah. Um my only change that I ha- I remember like I might have f- tweaked a line here or there. Mm. Again, this was mostly you. Uh I the but the one suggestion that I stand by is you had all the messages Naomi like building up to her bridge oh, duty. Oh god, yeah. Uh being read by Dal. I was like no 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 no. You have to have Kara read this, and it trust was, me. When you hear it, you'll know why.
0: Yeah, it was so so good. Like, so
1: I, let's talk. Let's talk for a moment mm-hmm. about Kara O'Connor. She she's amazing. A, she was a sketch performer here in Seattle. Uh huh. That I knew through. Like, I know some of the the local comedy like sketch performers, and uh, I I'd done a small thing where her troupe came onto my interview show and we talked for a bit and they did like one sketch. And I just sort of put out a general, like, uh, if any of you guys ever want to do voice stuff, mm-hmm. I, I hardly anyone bites. Cause that's weird. Yeah. Like what? Okay. Whatever. And she did. She's, she's one of those people like me who I don't want to speak for her, of course, but I get the impression she didn't get a lot of artistic stuff out of her system when she was young. Mm-hmm. And as she got a little older, she's like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? I love making things. Why am I not making all the things? Sure. And that's what drives me. And it's the, very much the impression I get from her. She's always working on three or four projects and she always delivers on all of them. She's just like, she's my age, but she's driven like a damn 20 year old. Like she just go, go, go. And Mm -hmm. like, you can always rely on her. And she's such a good performer. Like I used her in a bunch of projects prior to this. And I explained this to her and she's like, well, I don't really know Star Trek. I'd be interested, but I don't. And it was like, trust me, we're deliberately writing a thing that's set apart. Like you'll have to read some techno babble because you'll be the science guy. But Mm -hmm. apart from that, it's going to be acting. It's just, it's acting. Yeah. And she has nailed everything we've given her by like, oh my God, she's Mm -hmm. just so good. And I am so happy. I know her. And she's recently moved to Los Angeles. And I was like, oh God, are we going to lose her? Yeah. And we had an ugly conversation where we did not agree on anything mm-hmm. about what happens. And, and you're like, well, we'll just recast her. And I am dead set against that. Sure. You are dead set against anything but that. Mm. <laughs> we never decided anything. And I hope it never comes up again. Yeah, no kidding. We come at that from very different places. I'm, I'm trying to be fair and represent us both mm-hmm. equally there. I'm just saying, like I do, I, that's not what I want. And that's not what you want. Yeah. So thankfully, she's like, no, I, this this show's one of the best things I'm doing. I, I, I'm set up to do this from home. I want to keep doing this. So, whew. But no, yeah, her, what, by, the, by this point I already knew all this, and I said, Matt, trust me, when you hear hmm. Kara read this.
0: No, and after, and, between that and her stuff with, uh, with, uh, Kirk and, uh, uh, Emmerich, I yep. just, like, I was, I was down, or I was up there for the recording of... I think it's the next one of the next two episodes and I just went up to her afterwards I'm just thank you so much
1: for what you did yep well that was one of the reasons I tried to go with local performers was like of course we're in like we're in an age where I can like you know mm-hmm. Jason, Jason we have met once in person he came out here to do a live sarcastic voyage show yep. years ago and it was amazing but like that's it he lives on the other side of the country we don't see him but he's contributed all this stuff because you know it's, it's possible with technology sure but. But I like the chemistry whenever I can get enough people together. That's one thing I learned doing the soap opera was like the more – it's easier to edit because everyone's in the same room. Mm -hmm. But also like half of editing is making everyone sound like they're in the same room. But um, the the other part is the chemistry of a genuine performer who's trained to perform with other people. Yeah. Like Amanda will tell you, she's not a performer. She's not a voice actor. She's amazing. Uh Uh-huh. But she's self-taught and she doesn't always love doing – readings with other people because she she'll just cold read her lines like with no nobody to work off of because mm-hmm. that's that's her preference i do the same thing sure but like she'll do it for the benefit of the other uh, uh performers um but kara is one of those people who works off other people's energy she would like if we had people more comfortable with improv we'd have more improvised stuff No, nobody else is as good as she is and we're all kind of intimidated by it <laughs> But I think she has a feel for the character enough that if I paired her with another good improv person, we'd get some good material. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, but uh, what I'm saying is like stretching from the cute Naomi sort of almost comedy character, the foil for Dal, and making her step up and be tough mm-hmm. was like a whole different thing. And I, I knew she could do it but I didn't know what that sounded like. And between you writing it and her doing it. Yeah. It was just so good. Mm. Um, what else? Oh, uh, we had Bob as Emmerich again. Very, very good. Very good. Yep. Uh, so my original concept for Captain Kirk was, I wanted to talk because everyone on this project is a scientist. Yeah. I wanted to explore what a Klingon scientist looks like. And the story required a Klingon to be aggressive. And Mm -hmm. I get it. I, I still think it was a little too DS nine. Sure. But also if you're gonna steal steal from the best. Yeah. So I don't care that much. Like every criticism I have for you is really a compliment. <laughs> so. But uh I have found another way to explore my uh Klingon science thing, so we will we will get into that.
0: No, I think that one ended up just being like, Well,
1: we already have a Klingon. We don't need to hire yeah. more people. <laughs> no, I don't I don't care about that. Mm. We could have cast somebody, but sure. I just like like I said, I feel like this is a science project. It would be weird to put a warrior... Like, you don't put General Martok on an observation station. Mm. That's not the best person for that job, you know? Mm. Like, but you made it work, and I like Nate's read, and I like all everything yeah. about it, so, you know. Um, so, Zot appears for the first time in this episode. Yep. Zot was originally two people. Was she? Yeah, That I didn't know.
0: Yeah. Uh, she got shaved down. I had two people working the bridge with Naomi. Uh huh. And they got combined into one
1: person because again, not enough people. Yeah, I mean we have I mean, I don't know, we have the cast. We could have figured something out. Mm. But but I do ask you when you're writing to to think of that, and mm. it is good that you're doing that. Think about how we're gonna make it sound and think about who we're gonna use. Yeah. Um but uh Christy, another excellent performer that I met locally, also moved to LA for different reasons. Everyone just moves to LA. <laughs> if you, Gosh, it's if almost you, like
0: that's where the acting is. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you hang with performers, they're going to leave unless you already live in L.A. or New York because that's where performers go. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, so our two best guys left to go to L.A. Yeah, she's doing stand-up now- there now and she also hosts a podcast and she's doing very well. Um, the thing about her is she's an excellent voice actor, mm-hmm. but she I think she's good at playing drama. She doesn't like doing it. Sure. She's uncomfortable doing it. I think she's a little self-conscious playing Ernest. She would rather play a comedy character. And Zot was such a you needed this. I'm not I'm not complaining about yeah. this. But she was such a hailing frequencies open character. I just needed someone like you can't have the character talking to themselves is the problem. Of course. No, 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 no. You did you did fine. But my thought was, okay, we now said this bridge officer exists. Mm. We need to tease that out and see what she's really like. And so this episode, she's basically like, yes, sir, no, sir, hailing frequencies open. Yeah. And in the next one, I expanded the character. Like, the next one, she appears, and I expanded the character, and I made her super serious. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's not what she wants at all. And it's like, okay, I promise we will find a way to do what you are most comfortable with and what you do really well. And I'm happy to say in season two, that is 100% happening. Yes. Not going to tell you how, but uh, very pleased with that. Uh, The one other performance-based thing I want to talk about, we haven't really talked about Joe very much yet. No. Joe, perfect choice. We didn't have to audition Gia either, because... yeah. You just wanted someone with gravitas and, and presence. It was my idea to make him a Delton. Everything else about him came from you. Mm-hmm. And I said, I know the perfect guy. And he has always done a perfect job, but behind the scenes has been a little shaky for the first couple episodes. He, I don't think he was sure what we wanted. Yeah. And I think he was a little hesitant and I think he was worried that he wasn't doing it right. He was, but I think it took him a minute to realize who the character was to figure it out along with us. Yeah. But I, I have no complaints. And by this point, and we're only on episode four, the way he played broken Gia. Yeah. The scene with him and Naomi, where he's like, I've watched people die and I just don't want that to happen here. Yeah. This is supposed to like, oh my God, it makes me want to break the character so hard. <laughs> There's two or three moments in the season where we make this jovial, supportive father just in tears. Mm-hmm. And it puts me in tears, because he's so good. Yeah. It's like, dude, you're just going to make me torture you. Because <laughs> you're good at it. Uh,
0: anything else about that? Yeah, one? um, this has Jason's delivery of, you work for me now, pipe. You call me boss. <laughs> it's my favorite thing he's ever done as Kutch. Really? And he shows up and kicks ass as Kutch all the time. Ooh, I just right. love that line so much.
1: All right. I, that was not one of my favorite mm-hmm. lines. I'm not going to say I thought it was a bad line. I just, that would not have been the standout for me in that episode. My characters tend to yell at inanimate objects and it makes me ah. happy. Uh, also right. that scene where, where Dal kicks the ancient, uh,
0: mm-hmm. artifact.
1: Yep. All right. On to the, uh, the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Praspera Ad Astra. And yeah, I, I didn't want to do a pretentious Latin title, but I, I get stuck on a good title. And I was looking for like, okay, exploration. Like first I was looking for quotes about first contact because this is our first, first like we're going to meet our first alien guys. Yeah. We're like, okay, we've been here, we've established the guys, we've had some other tension, but now it's time to explore, it's time to meet new aliens, it's time to establish our new guys. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I, what I do for titles a lot of the time is look for like sort of phrases related to the thing. It's like, okay, things about first contact are about exploration, it's like, okay, there's a there's a Latin phrase inscribed on the Voyager probe. Like, yeah, all right. That's, that's about right. That's about exploration. I didn't realize it had been used in a million things, including a movie that just came out. Oh, I didn't know that. But, there's a movie out called Ad Astra.
0: Oh, yeah, okay. Ah, fuck.
1: Oh, well. <laughs> so this is the first one that Matt and I wrote together. Yep. Like, we've said, this is yours, this was mine, back and forth. But this one was both of us. And we hadn't, like, I think the episode's fine, but- behind the scenes it, it 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 was still rocky going i think sure we didn't quite like we couldn't finish each other's sandwiches that 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 way wasn't working we couldn't like write a draft and then update the draft that was like it was so it was like okay how about this i'll write the a story you write the b story mm. and then it turned out okay but i think we can i think we're still working this out yeah do you agree yeah no i think so <laughs> okay I like the way you wrote Naomi's competitiveness with the whole Cotta Scott thing. That was good. (laughs) That came to me in the car ride back from Pat's wedding. (laughs) (laughs) I like, and I'm going to stand by this. Moments like that that don't pay off thematically in any way, Mm -hmm. what I did not want was her last beat to be, oh, if I wasn't so competitive, I would have learned a valuable lesson. Like, no, we learned about her and she needs to, figure her thing out in the context of that. Mm-hmm. But the Codiscot was not a lesson about something else in the episode. It was just what it was. Yep. So, I was, I, I got to thinking about the mechanics of how first contact would work. Sure. And, and and about, with the team we've established, who would be there? Well, the captain would obviously be there. We We established, and I think we said this out loud, that they divided their exploration territory into quadrants and each of the four guys who came here explores a separate quadrant. Mm-hmm. So, like, the Romulans discovered a guy in the Romulan. Like, I call it the Romulan quarter. Like, you know, the, this is the Federation quarter where, like, this is the place we meet guys. And I like the idea of Gia having, like, a, a contest with the other captains. Like, who's going to get the first first contact? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, the captain would be there. They'd need a language guy. Well, Dal would get us into the story, but she would hate it. Yep, I can, I can use that. And then probably an ambassador, right? Because, like, you want... Someone who can handle the delicate whatever. So mm-hmm. like, ooh, we, ha- we have the, we have the Vulcan guy that we, we set up. We have Bob as uh, Sokar. Mm-hmm. This is one of those weird times where, has this ever happened to you? It happens to me constantly. Mm. You put two characters together and you don't know what they're going to do. Oh, God, yeah. And you watch them bounce off each other and you're like, oh, my God, that's great. What have I done? I've, I mean, when I was writing the the soap opera, more than once characters fell in love that I had no intention of making <laughs> fall in love. In this, it was okay. I, I wanted to grind the axe from Enterprise, where everyone always talked about how Vulcans had no sense of humor. When sure. it's so clear that um, T'Pol was hilarious, yeah, for a Vulcan, T'Pol, the funniest like, Vulcan in all of Starfleet. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm, I I I believe that. Mm-hmm. But um, I was like, okay. What if I gave Dal? This fits with everything that's set up with her so far. Like you, you were mostly the architect of Dal to this point. Sure, I threw in some things, but she was mostly your creation. Um, what if I sort of turn like her sense of humor is that sort of it's it's ascribed to millennials now that that bleak, hopeless, guess I'll die, <laughs> like just memes about um, about nihilism. Sure, like that like, of course, that's her sense of humor. Mm-hmm. It's like. Well, I guess they're going to eat us now. And I thought it would be like, suddenly these two were riffing on that. And a Vulcan is the perfect deadpan for that. Yep. And it's like, oh my God, these two are friends. I love it. I yeah. did not. That was not in my outline. <laughs> <laughs> no, I loved them clicking and I love Gia trailing behind for the entire episode. Well, yeah, because by this point we'd made him friendly enough that everyone loves him and yeah. everyone's friend. And so I thought it was good. Like, I thought it was time that we could do Something a little different it's like he doesn't get this because they're being deliberately mean and he mm-hmm. doesn't he can't follow that no he can't wrap his head around that why would you be mean when you could be a nice person yeah exactly and i i was i was very happy like i said that relationship came from out of nowhere it was not in the outline the story was supposed to unfold a certain way but the the character dynamic made it way more interesting mm-hmm. um so let's talk about the ah uh, a bit yeah I wanted our first alien race to be a big deal, not just someone we met and never saw again. Mm-hmm. Um Amanda actually had the idea of what if we commissioned artists to give us the visual first. Yeah.
0: She sort of really that.
1: she's she's like one of her things is supporting, you know, independent artists mm-hmm. and like she I think it was like a new year's resolution or something. She's like this year I'm going to commission more art, I'm going to pay more independent artists to draw things like that's that, I, that's very cool first of all i get i get art so i benefit mm-hmm. but also i'm supporting them by paying them for their work sure and she's like i could spin that into like to help you like why don't i get like she you know she follows a lot of people who do fantasy stuff yeah and she's like they design dnd monsters and stuff like that but that's easily transferable to, to aliens mm-hmm. so she reached out to this uh artist zyra lynn who uh Uh, designed the ah and I love the way they look I'm gonna say that up front but I wish they were less humanoid I think no one in the Omega Quadrant should have arms and legs and heads sure that that's me I think Star Trek leans on that way too much and Mm -hmm. I wanted like I I went out of my way to set up in the pilot that everything's weird here but that said I love them well I think we like as we put more and more into who they actually
0: are like we sort of like yes they have arms and legs, but we sort of moved away from they, they,
1: they've definitely got weirder shit going on well yeah and they're they're giant yeah like one of the things the artist drew was uh, a, a human for scale mm-hmm. and actually and you can see this on uh, uss endeavor.com there's a there's an art uh, section and there's the finished drawing but there's also the concept drawing and you can see she's drawn a little stick figure uh leaping up to be seen. <laughs> Doing sort of a jumping jack, like, hey, down here. <laughs> it is adorable. <laughs> um, and then English Gav, we were kind of riffing, he and I, on uh, alternate tech. Like I said, I don't want people here to have warp drive. This is a whole different place. They've never met anyone with warp. What would they have? And, like, he came up with this whole idea of them having sort of force field-based uh, uh, technology. Mm-hmm. And, I totally corrupted, like, what he came up with is very different than what we used. I yeah. simplified it and I probably fucked it all up. But, like, the idea is that everything there do sort of like pushes things away and repulses and mm-hmm. uses this certain kind of energy. And I like, I like all that. And uh, I stole the idea of warp gates, which are just like, just basically space portals. Mm-hmm. Uh, stole that from Transformers, of all sure. things.
0: <laughs> when I was a if kid, you're gonna, a ca- if you're going to steal, steal from the best, Al. Uh, hey, look.
1: <laughs> when I was a kid, the uh, the Transformers cartoon jumped ahead from uh, the 80s to the far-off future of 2005 in their third season. Sure. And one of the things was like, well, humans have like a space fleet now and they get to far-off places by going through these warp gates. And I was like, ooh, that's cool. And just stuck in my head, it's like a neat Like, I like the idea of sort of artificial wormholes, like a network of them being sort of almost like a subway system. Mm -hmm. And they've explored, like, they can't fly there, so they have to send probes and wait a really long time, but then they can open a wormhole and go there. Yeah. So, like, they've explored, you know, 10 systems or whatever, and they can go through these warp gates. And I don't know, like, so, like, sort of piecing these different elements together. And then you threw in the rock ship thing, which I really like. Yeah, I like that a lot. And then when I looked at the drawing, I started thinking of the, uh, the, the vocalization and... How I really like the sound of sort of like Buddhist chanting or like uh throat singing or mm-hmm. something like that, like I wanted to do this really sort of deep like uh processed but uh, tries to sound kind of organic and big and slow i I really like the way that effect came out, and yeah uh, so yeah, it's just sort of like one thing after another, and then we had an alien
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and we bring the, the wild weird body swap crap and all that stuff, oh yeah, no, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute, yeah. Uh, the, the resolution of this episode with, the, with uh, oh yeah, by the way, Dal and Naomi came up with this perfect solution mm. that you never knew about before. Yeah, it's, it was a little Deus Ex Machina, but also we've built, like, one thing we're trying to do that Star Trek doesn't do very well is, like, if you introduce a radical new thing to the world, you don't ignore it next yeah, week. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, there was an episode of Next Gen where a doctor cures someone with the transporter. Yeah, which, and it's like, no... Oh, well, okay, no, I had no problem with it, but it's like, if you have that option going forward, you now, need to at least yeah. acknowledge it. Now you have that option, like... Yes. You can't, from now on, you can't write an episode about a deadly disease because you just came up with a way to cure all diseases. Yeah. So, but, good work on the one n- hand, I guess. I thought it was an inventive use of their technology that mm-hmm. they then ignored. Yeah. But... Yeah, well, well, that's
0: always I, been, an, been a thing that bugged us, like, that they never get back to, you know?
1: Yeah. No, and um, one of the things uh, uh, in Next Gen, like there was a horrible episode about how like uh, Warp Drive was tearing up space, which was, it was just a very badly written episode. Yeah, oh God, I was thinking about that episode while I was writing the new episode. (laughs) But then, but we, uh, uh, they specifically said, so now uh, we can't go over Warp 5 or we're going to screw up space. So it's like, okay, this is a dumb episode, but maybe it delivered an interesting new Mm -mm. wrinkle in stories. Maybe now- You can't respond so fast because of this new limitation. Yeah, you can only go Uh, at warp five. We need to get there at warp eight. Yeah, someone's going to die if we don't get there right now, and we can only get there at half speed. Yeah, well, too bad. Yeah. But all they did was, like, anytime they needed to do that, they would just say, oh, well, we got special dispensation. Well, then why did you—you came up with this. Yeah,
0: man, like, it's your rule. Fucking follow it or don't. Like— Yeah, why did
1: you—yeah. So, yeah, we're—so we're trying— You picked fruit, damn it. (laughs) when we introduce a new element, we try to stay like consistent mm-hmm. with it. Like this exists in this world now. And, um, one of the things when I, we'll get to this in a minute, we got to the, uh, quantum transporter is like, wait, if we can beam all the way from the alpha quadrant, that means we can beam like anywhere. Yeah. So we need to extrapolate that. So anyway, also one more thing I wanted to say about this episode, your performance is rice. Well, oh, oh, chef's, chef's kiss. <laughs> you played him as, uh, as, as Rimmer. Yeah. Very, very good. <laughs> I just, um, like, sh- shitty asshole is fun to play. Well, and in the next episode, uh, which which we are now talking about, demand shock, mm-hmm. um, we got this bit where they're talking about having an, an economy, and he's like, uh, "What what's to stop us from paying our people 100 bars of latinum or 1,000? Only the way you said it, 100 bars or 1,000. Mm-hmm. What about that? Mm-hmm. Bet you like, didn't think about that, did you? That was, that was an outtake where you just kept like, kept following that. <laughs> oh, it was very good. So demand truck was my first sort of issues show. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm trying to write more. Like I was very hesitant to write about politics and, and social stuff until recently and the dam broke and now I'm ready. Yeah. We're all, we've all had a fucking and we're ready to like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use my art to change the world. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to, going to work through some issues. I'm going to talk about some things and. Star Trek's supposed to be good at that, and they're usually not. So I'm going to talk about how capitalism kind of sucks and how we're all kind of slaves to it and how someone who corners all of the resources is basically owns you. And it's terrible. And I thought I did a pretty good job with it. Like, uh, Brian said – Brian, who played uh, Damon Mm Pak, said that this was the first truly villainous Ferengi in Trek and, like, that is ridiculously high praise. And I, I don't, uh, I don't know, man, but the fact that he said it made me feel very good. I bet. Um, It's pretty awesome. This one had, like I talked about leaning on the long speeches, way too many speeches. I know, but I did want to deliberately frame it as we're going to end this project. How does that affect everyone? What do they have to lose? So each person, like each segment had a bit where someone was like, if this, if this died, like the Romulan, like that was a long speech that I was pretty happy with. Mm -hmm. It was like, there might not be a Romulan Empire. This is it for us. The the Romulan stuff I liked so much for this. Yeah, Nicole Santora has played a couple of characters for us, and she was actually seven in the uh, in the premiere. Mm-hmm. And she did this and excellent job as always. She's yeah. she's the I think the only one in our stable who has done pro work. Um, She's done commercials. She was on that show Grim. She was a guest star oh, on that one. Yeah. Week. Okay. She's she's done real like no shit. Wow. And then sometimes she reads some of my dumb jokes in front of a comic convention or on a <laughs> on a podcast or whatever. So that's weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she did a very good job. And um, like I I kind of liked each each segment being about like what do you have to, like if this ends what does it mean to you? And I was also pretty happy with the letters home format. Like yep. At first, the whole thing was going to be Kutch writing a letter home. I was like, okay, but I need to go other places. So, okay, what if each of them did it? Wait, Dal doesn't like anyone. <laughs> she de- she left home because she hates it there. She, she Everyone she cares about is here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the joke. The joke is letter home to parents, letter home to mom, uh, personal journal. <laughs> so I don't know if that came across as a joke, but it was meant as one. Well. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I thought it was funny.
1: Also, this is where we uh, teased out the Oz concept of altruism is Mm -hmm. like, I wanted to deliberately have something the opposite of the Ferengi is like, I think this is where the line, uh, why should anyone else have to do without came, you know? Yeah. Not not that that's an original creation of us, but that that's their philosophy. Sure. And that really informed how we wrote them for the rest of the season. Oh, absolutely. And going forward, like, oh, that's their, like, because, yeah, it's a little bad that Star Trek races are each are all one thing but it's a good place to start Mm -hmm. and when they're more established we could have an awe that's selfish maybe yeah like I like exploring that but for now I don't want to give you anything yes but the cultural philosophy is like they're like socialists they're Mm. like a true democracy like they share everything and, and that led nicely into your episode which is like okay well we wanted to do a body swap and these guys are so unconcerned with boundaries of personal property and everything else that they literally share bodies. Yeah. Like, Ooh, that's good. Uh, I also wanted to note our friend Tidro played, uh, uh, so I have a, I have my magnet board, like my whiteboard of all the different characters. And I just have one that just says Dal's current girlfriend. <laughs> I'm not going to print up a new label every episode for a name that's going to yep. go away. So it's just Dal's current girlfriend. And she, I asked her before I started writing, I said, what Star Trek race you want to play is like a, a betazoid. It's like, Ooh, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Ooh, one more quick thing. I know, I know we're running real late. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about yeah, here. Yeah, seriously. Um we talked about um Gia being uh, culturally very sexual, which mm-hmm. is how the Deltons are supposed to be, and polyamorous and all of that. And we talked about him not getting laid for the first little while, and I didn't make this textual enough. The reason he wasn't getting laid is because they hadn't met anyone new. Yeah. And he's a captain. He can't. He, thinks, he can't hook up with anyone on on the ship. Basically, Star Trek has talked about this. There are no rules mm-hmm. about that. You can, but he thinks it's inappropriate, and he wouldn't do that. No. So the whole blue balls thing with him was: we need to meet some aliens so I can get laid. Mm-hmm. So so we can be comfortable with aliens. So I can meet the aliens. So I can then form a bond with some aliens that were willing to have sex with me.
0: I would love to hear Joe do like a like a Picard Kirk opening episode where it's just. <laughs> To seek out new life and new civilizations and
1: fuck them. Yes. I mean, that's, you know, in a, in a respectful, consensuing, mm-hmm. consensual way. He sees it that way. But the payoff to that, and again, I don't think I called this out directly. The payoff to this was he's not in this episode because they finally made first contact. We jumped ahead a few months and they've met six new races. Yep. He's, he took three weeks of leave and he's just boning nonstop. <laughs> and how that paid off with, like, uh, Tidro playing a Betazoid was, oh, so, this telepathic race, this empathic telepathic race probably would feed on that. Yeah. Probably would pick up on um, on Gia's, like, huge sexual energy and probably makes them a little extra horny and she'd probably be more likely to hook up with that. Mm-hmm. So, I thought that worked well. <laughs> All right. On to the body swap episode. Yes. The old switcheroo. Oh, God. This one. So, this was supposed to be a light comedy episode. We had some some heavy stuff happening. I was like, we need a break. Matt, I need you to write the, the, the Trouble with Tribbles one. And he's like, yeah, I could do that. And, it's, and okay, then was, we threw around the, like, okay, what has Star Trek not done that is a goofy, funny, yeah. like a, you know, uh, uh, they turn into kids. Well, they did that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, they uh, do Fantastic Voyage. Well, they did that. And they did do a body swap one, but it wasn't played. It wasn't blasts. great. It's was like, it was like, okay, you could you could do this one. And you took it in a very different direction. And I don't dislike what you did, but it's v- not what the assignment was. <laughs> we, so this is again, this
3: is
0: coming back from uh, Pat's wedding. And I just started poking at the idea of, like, okay, so what happens – like, what happens when someone with depression that bad and, like, a horrible, like, image of themselves doesn't have to be in this body that they don't want – that they hate, you know? No, I, I love all of that so much. I really and do. All, like, and and just, like, like you know, wh- where where is the problem? Is it the body? Is it the brain? And I don't think I nailed it. Mm-hmm. And
1: I really – fuck, I really wanted this one to work, and I just don't think I I got it. Oh, no, I think you did. I think you're not giving yourself enough credit. I think you nailed it. I think the only thing that is not completely clear, but it's still implied, is that the reason Dal wasn't depressed anymore, and the reason Naomi was was because of chemistry. Yeah, I should, there's probably, could have been. A- you just needed to give the doctor a line saying that, yeah. and that that would have fixed it, and I didn't realize till after it was done that yeah. we should have done that. But apart from that, and it's fine that it's implied, mm-hmm. but we're saying out loud, if you thought that was true, it was. Yeah. That's canon. Um, no, I think you did a good job. And uh, our friend Devlin, who actually appears here for the first time as Doc Shang. That's so good. <laughs> who we have uh, name checked a bunch of times to this point mm-hmm. and actually accidentally misgendered and said him. Whoops. Yeah. Well, shrug, you know, it's someone. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. Whoops. We hadn't decided who it was yet and I said well I don't know Devlin like we talked about it who do you want like what kind of alien do you want that's mm. usually where I start what kind of alien do you want to be and then we build it from there yeah um and she has this whole amazing backstory for her that hopefully is going to come up later but I thought she did a really good job oh god but, yeah. but um oh Devlin's the one who, who said you turned this into body horror and, yeah yeah you did mm-hmm. and I like it
0: well it's um, just like what do you do man like And and there's a lot of, like, you know, your body is the one, like, you get down to it, the one thing you know better than anyone else in the world, you know? And to change that even subtly, like, we're talking about switching two people's species, you know? Mm -hmm. And just
1: the whole concept felt so interesting to me. And it's also kind of a reversal of how we've written a lot of it to the, like, to this point, we're looking at a lot of established Star Trek stuff and kind of treating it as not a joke, but more light, like, Mm. Like the transporter, what a dumb idea! Yeah, you know, like that's so dumb. And like you're taking it the other way and saying, here's this whimsical idea that's driven so many light comedies. But what if you looked at it seriously? Yeah. It's just it's it's that formula in reverse, and I like it. Mm. It's just it's it's not you know yeah it's not what it, like I said it's not what the assignment was, but that doesn't make it a bad episode. It was a good episode, yeah. And quite a lot of people said so. Uh, my concern. Mm-hmm. Is that we ended up hitting Dal's depression so hard this season. Yeah, well. It is a part of who she is, but we gotta, like, we gotta have other stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it has to, like, and we're we're working on that. Yeah. I'm not saying we're never gonna deal with it again. It's always gonna be a part of her. But I'm saying episodes hinging entirely on her, like, mental instability. Mm-hmm. We maybe need to, maybe need to, and we've we've talked about this. <laughs> this isn't news. It's almost like it's a thing I, have, I feel the need to talk about a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know, but. People live with depression. Yeah. They just have to get on with their lives. It's not all they talk about. No, I know. Otherwise they're that's all they are, you know? And mm-hmm. we have to just like like with, with their sexuality, you can't just make them talk about, you know, what they are. You sure. have to show them being a person. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but I feel like Naomi's asexuality we haven't quite nailed just yet. Yeah. I Well, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Um Uh let's see. Oh, so the voice performing in this I had to color code the script. Oh, man. And I worked so hard to make it like... You did. The first thing I did
0: was like, okay, how the fuck do you make it so... Do you know exactly who's talking? You
1: did, and then I thought you got it wrong and corrected it and made it worse. You did it fine. And then it got real confusing (laughs) because I fucked it up, and it was already sort of inherently confusing. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, how about this? I will highlight these in blue. Blue is Dal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and yellow is Naomi. Mm-hmm. And if it says Dal, you're still reading it, Kara, but now you're reading it as Dal. Got it? Yeah. Okay, good. And then, God, those two nailed it. And they oh rehearsed the hell out of it. Yeah. They rehearsed so many times. Like, they had three different Skype sessions before we finally met up to record mm-hmm. it. And they all they both did such a good so job. good. Oh, my God. Uh, we also got access to a local performer, Josie, who uh, played Dal's current girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Also excellent. Yep. Happy. Uh, looking forward to working with her again. Uh, and I loved the I knew a guy runner in that. I oh that yeah, was an excellent part of uh, part of this. That was another one
0: where it was just like you know, someone growing up in the Delta qual- like Naomi yep. was on
1: Voyager. Weird shit happened to people on Voyager every goddamn week. No, and we talk about this a lot on the Post Stomach Horror. Mm-hmm. The idea that just a Starfleet person after a certain point in their lives would be almost jaded, like oh, some Star Trek shit's happening. Yeah. Oh, must be Thursday. Yep. And
0: I really, wow. like, I wanted to, I don't know if this came up enough in the episode either, but I loved Naomi as someone who was,
1: like, not okay with any of this because she's seen so much of it. Yeah, and also seeing it, like, being thrown into it from birth. Yeah. Is a very different experience from joining when you're a grown-up mm-hmm. and having a grown-up, like, outlook and and being able to deal with it. Like, her first conscious experiences were probably horrible shit happening to She people. Well, I... <sighs> A lot of we forget about this. Naomi's from another dimension. Well, uh, yeah, there is that. <laughs> we, we we forget about this by design.
0: I I keep that in my back pocket because I think I can use it on something at some point. Okay, but, uh, okay, that's good. I like if you want to get down to it. Yes, no. Naomi's from an alternate universe.
1: Yeah, everyone on Voyager except for Naomi and Harry Kim died, mm-hmm. and those two went to a different universe where they exist with different versions of those characters.
0: Yeah. Weird. Very well. I knew a guy mm-hmm. who was born in an alternate universe.
1: Oh yeah, you still
0: do. Hi. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh huh. Anything else about this one?
0: Uh, I liked the uh, the the chattiness at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, just I really wanted to like before we got into all the bad shit. I really wanted to be like, look at these guys having so much fun doing crap.
1: I agree. I like that, and I like what you bring to it. I like the performers. I don't. I'm going to be honest, I don't always get what you're going for with some of that. And it's a little hard to direct because you have them, like, playing these weird sort of kid games. Sure. And, like, and I- I'm glad you're there to help because I'm, like, I don't see these characters acting this way at all. <laughs> like, it's a it's a thing I need to learn. Ah, all right. Because they're more playful than I, like, I imagine them being fun but in more of a dry way mm. and not more of an overtly, like, building a blanket fort way. Sure, So it's just, it's, it's, it's something good you bring. It's just something I'm having trouble, like up to the most current episode we've written. (laughs) I'm still just like, "Ah, mm, okay, well, I think this is supposed to be this way. I hope I got it right. Like, and again, not bad. Sure. Just something I need to, I need to learn. Mm. All right. Anything else about this one? Uh, I think that's it. All right. On to episode eight, Ratlines. Mm -hmm. Uh, Quite honestly, one of the things I am most proud of having written. Yeah, you should be. This is one of the best fucking episodes (laughs) Thank you. I don't like, I'll say this a million times. I am no judge of if it's any good objectively. I just, I judge it in terms of what I meant to do. Mm-hmm. This is exactly the episode I meant to write. This is close, like the closest thing I've ever written to what I wanted, like in my head to the page. Yeah. It was like, it's another issue episode, obviously. It's the, the punchline, the core of the episode is if you side with Nazis, that makes you a Nazi. Yeah. That's it. That's that's all it's about. And there there that line just happens, I mean, you know, with a war criminal or whatever, but mm. same, same, same. Um, I have had Dal's speech about this beautiful Bajoran woman who didn't give a damn what you thought, which if you don't know the in jokes from post horror, is Kira. Yeah. Uh, since at least the development of episode 2 Mm-hmm. I just it came to me fully formed as like, I gotta use this, but it has to work somewhere. It's, it's like, yeah, a sex story. Yeah, Tells backstory, of course, mm. and maybe don't do the math on how young she was when she hooked up with the Starfleet officer that got her out of Cardassia. Because mm-hmm. uh, I had to fu- like, I have a whole chart of star dates and how old everyone is and everything else. And with Naomi, it's like, well, you know what? She went from infant to speaking toddler in a year, so like she ages fast. That's fine. Yeah, I don't think Cardassians do, and I think that was gross. I said you can enlist in Starfleet at 16. Yep, because I looked. I looked that up in Memory Alpha. That's that's the age. Mm-hmm. And so that officer slept with a 16 year old. Whoops. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, originally, we were going to cast someone as Fulo as the as sort of the main villain. Uh, the performer I wanted was not available, so I did the voice synthesizer Captain Pike beeping. Like I did the like I ran a. What did I do? Oh, I put some Cardassian words into Google Translate and made it guess what it was mm. and it told me Romanian or something like that. Oh, okay. So like, okay, it's That's the closest to what Cardassian sounds like so I'm just going to put a bunch of random words in Romanian mm-hmm. and then run it through a filter so you can barely understand it anyway. That's the Cardassian language.
0: That's super interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of like how that turned out. Yeah, that's um, really cool. I didn't know that. And the reason I did that was because, like I said, I wanted to do the Captain Pike in the beeping box. Like, you can't and the real reason is because Fulo's hiding, pretending to be someone else mm-hmm. and can't do the voice. It's like her face is scarred, so you can't tell. Yeah. But if if she spoke, you'd know. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, I don't have a performer. We don't need a performer. And then I realize, oh, wait a minute. The whole dynamic between Dal and Emmerich and then later Samar is the story. If I threw another big dynamic character in here, it's gonna fuck that all up. Yeah. I think it worked better as just this presence as this off screen like that's the bad guy over there, mm-hmm, definitely. Um, and a bunch of people have asked. I think we have a, we even have mail about this. But like, are do we intend to bring her back? Do we leave her death vague intentionally? I don't know that I did that intentionally. I just thought, well, if the station blew up, you can't really go get the corpse. It's yeah gone. I'm not going to rule it out, but that was not my intention. Sure. So I'm not answering that one way or the other. I guess I, it's it's always nice to have a couple of villains in your back pocket just in case. Yes. Yes, that is true. <laughs> uh, I liked hanging a lantern on the I'm leaving Starfleet forever stories yep. that so many Star Trek st- Come on. No, you're not.
0: Mm-hmm. Give Dal the like, fucking wharf uh, exit. Yeah. Everyone on the ship
1: fucking saluting her. What the hell no. is this? But she's like, no, I, no, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not going in Like, but she can't say that. because It's a secret. Like, I, I liked how that turned out. Um. This is probably the best third act I've ever written. I have yep. a tr- I have a real problem with endings. Like I always rush my endings cuz it's like, "Oh god, we're at 50 pages, I got to go." Mm. And um the uh I started with the third act this time and I think it worked better. Like the tension of them storming the bridge and then Samar coming in, like I think I think that worked pretty well. Mm. Um I tried to play Samar as um uh, you didn't watch Lost, I know, but no. a lot of people, uh, uh, Benjamin Linus. From I only Lost, know this uh, guy
0: from your impression of him.
1: Yeah, Michael Emerson, yeah. which is one of the few impressions that I can I, do. And I'm
0: Michael Emerson.
1: He's got this sort of creepy thing that lends itself to being a, a Cardassian, and, uh, you know, I don't Hello. think I dragged the episode down. So. No. Uh, and then the B-plot with Naomi joining Book Club. I kind of wanted to, to do a beat of her, well, I'll try you guys' think? Oh, this is terrible. Uh-huh. I'm, I take this all too literally because I'm a scientist. <laughs>
0: that that you know what that's you guys's thing from now on we'll do other things
1: yeah um and i i actually really like the klingon story that i came up with the idea of like a klingon like a uh, myth like a like a telling of their first contact basically yeah. but like it's all exaggerated like he jumped to the sky yeah. and murdered the gods cuz like that's so klingon you know
0: that's not uh, a thing that could happen
1: yeah, exactly. You can't jump mode. into the sky. No, I know. Thank you. That's how Klingons would tell it. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda really brought it to this one. There were a lot of heavy emotions. Yep. For Dal in this one, and I loved like what you had set up with Emmerich was so perfect. And I don't even think you knew you were setting it up. No. I was Like what? What is their history? That would have provided. That would have uh, meant pl- uh, planning. Uh, we've planned a bunch of stuff. Don't don't sell yourself short mm. there. But this. You just implied there was a history. It was like, well, now we have a chance to go into that. Yeah. It was and so
0: good, too. God damn. One,
1: once I hit on the idea that, uh, because you wrote Emric so, like, so much of this is built on you. Like, I will take credit for writing a decent episode, but half of it is built on the stuff that you set up for me. Mm. And one of them was, you wrote him so blindly loyal to Gul Samar. Oh, yeah. It's like, ooh, what if Samar's the Nazi? Or what if Samar's... Not really the Nazi, but just kind of there. Well,
0: then you get that great, like, just, a, well, no, he's not, because yeah, obviously know. he, he knows what he's doing,
1: and he's not, like, like that, you know?
0: No, well, I like I what know, that
1: brings out in, in Emmerich as a character. I, I know my mom voted for the wrong person, but she's still my mom. Uh-huh. Yeah, but, no, no, mm-hmm. no, yeah. Um, Anything else on that one? I don't think so. No. It's very good, I will tell you that. Thank you. I, I'm very happy with what yeah. i there. Well, you should be. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, the next one, so we try we bo- one of the things we tried writing together was yeah. okay, let's try this. Let's each write a draft and then get together and combine the best elements of it. And this was gonna be our big let's fix cutch episode. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be cutch centric. We still don't like I said, he was a he was a whole sort of mishmash of, of things and we didn't quite know what he was yet. It was like, this will be where it all comes together, where we all, where we see it all happen. And uh, we brought them together, and I want to be very clear. Your script was not bad. Your script was completely not what it needed to be
0: though. Mm-hmm. No, I like, fucking, God, I had trouble with this one.
1: No, but I don't want to say, oh, well, yours was terrible. No, it wasn't that. It sure. was just, you did have a lot of stuff, like, I think you needed to get you wanted to take it to certain places that just didn't feel natural. And yeah. I think you contrived ways to make that happen. And once they got there, there was some very good character stuff that we kind of saved and used again. But yeah. Like it just, it didn't, it felt sort of like, this isn't how these people would operate. I don't think. And you even knew, like when I said that you're like, yeah, I know it wasn't like we have very different ideas of yeah. how this works. It was more like you just, you had to get them there and you didn't know how. Yeah. This was, this was a tough one. And I appreciate that. Yeah. And so I don't, like, I hate, like, oh, well, so we just used all of mine. Like, ugh. I felt like a dick for that. I really <laughs> did. But on the other hand, I did have some specific ideas about this one. And I really wanted to fix Kutch. And yeah. I think the best way to do that, honestly, is a singular vision. Whether it was mine or yours. I mm-hmm. think, like, one person needed to take the reins, just like you did with Al. Sure. And say, look. Look, other guy. This is the way forward with this character. This is who they are. Mm. You did that with Dal a couple of times where I ha- I have no question that's who that is. Like to me, she was the smart ass. She was the bones of the group. Yeah. You really you gave her some depth. And with Kachu, was like, he's all little things, but what's his big thing? It's like, oh, what if he's so like what if I paid off what we started in the pilot mm-hmm. and Gia told him to be the best tellerite right he can be. Yeah. And he and he did. And he, he put that he jeopardized that uh, that relationship. Mm-hmm. And that was that was kind of my in. And I was like, okay, but what if like I I wanted to play with that Star Trek thing of like you're disobeying orders and you're doing bad stuff and you're not telling anyone. Yeah. And instead of the ends justify the means and everyone's happy at the end, Gia's pissed. Yeah. And rightly so. Like Yeah. This is one of his one of his many, but one of his mentees. Yeah. One of his protégés. And it's like, you and really fucked me, dude. What are you doing? And I, I wanted to get into a situation where it was like, his defense was, I'm doing what you told me to do. So I had to be very careful the way it was structured. Yeah. And I think that's why, because I was building to that and Matt was doing something very different. And I think that's why our our things didn't mesh is because mine had to be set up, set up, set up, payoff. Mm-hmm. And you obviously, because this was the assignment, went off on your own and wrote something else. Sure. And it was like, you're disrupting my setup and payoff, and you're like, "Well, yeah, I didn't know about your setup." Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> so it's nobody's fault, but that's what, that's another reason why I think it just had to be one thing. Ah. Um But also, what I really wanted was to, and this was hard. I wanted to make it look like he was losing the whole time, mm-hmm. make it look like he was deliberately losing, and then like rope a dope you with like. um Oh, my God, he's been planning this this amazing, like, uh, argument all along. Yeah. And so it was very difficult, but I wanted to cede all the things he wanted to do throughout the episode where he's, like, tricking people into saying it themselves.
3: Mm-mm.
1: Well, what what does that really mean, Captain, for, for the record? I was like, oh, is he being a dick? And at the end, he's like, nope, you said it yourself. You said all this out loud, not me. I thought that came together really well. Yeah. I was so worried when I delivered this massive block of text to Jason. Like, one, for his throat. Two, because uh, I can't, I gotta stop writing big speeches and what the fuck did I just do? And he's like, dude, I do a lot of theater. I do a lot of live stuff. And you know what a bunch of theater is? Courtroom stuff. Sure. You know what a bunch of courtroom stuff is? Summarizing arguments. I've done so many of these. <laughs> it's fine. It's like, oh, shoo. <laughs> And man, he nailed it. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that experience he's had. It's because so much live theater is that. Yeah. Um, now, this one's was also pretty, very good. I was very, like, I was so not worried it was going to come together. I mm. thought, oh, God, this is the most talky and, like, Cutch is just a dick. And then he talks for five pages. <laughs> nope, it works. And it did exactly what I wanted. Yeah. No, he, he's hurt because, I, But but Captain, I'm doing what you told me to do. How did I do it wrong? Mm. And I wrote him the line: um, "You told me to to be an arguing tellerite in the most appropriate venue. What's a more appropriate venue than a court? <laughs> that's that's I did what you said. Yeah. What's wrong? What's wrong, Dad? Why did I disappoint you?" <laughs> and they both the the two of them together. I re- I managed to to like it's hard to schedule everyone remotely. Oh yeah, to record together. But I managed to get these two together, and the chemistry they had was so good. Mm-hmm. It broke my heart hearing their hearts break. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was so good. Um all that said, I think I completely fucked up Naomi and her whole speech about being ace. This came from an asexual friend of mine who was like uh who would talk to me about this and about the adorable thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It was like and I and I asked them, I said, What what is your experience? What what can I talk about? And they told me. And all I did was basically copy what they told me into the script. Sure. I needed to. I needed to work that out, and I'm, I'm working on
0: yeah, that. Yeah, well, you know. We're getting there. We're trying.
1: Yes. Um, uh, one last thing. Uh, Commodore King. One, I wanted to reintroduce the fact that Commodores existed, because I always love that stupid, like, naval thing.
0: And I, I love... I, you also captured the tradition of them showing up to piss everybody off.
1: Well, I wanted uh, uh, Soraya to be undermined. Uh-huh. Because... Everyone's con- – whenever something important comes up, they they push him aside every yep. time. Uh, Amanda pointed out that that's all that's ever happened, and we need to, like, let him also command, and that's a good point. And yeah, well. We need, we need to work on that. Season two. Yes. Um, lessons learned. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, Commodore King, uh, I ba- I did the voice, and I based him on my grandfather, who sounded exactly like that. <laughs> it's sort of uh, – you know, this sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, he used to he used to answer the phone. Ross Watt here, and uh, um, he left. He had an answering outgoing answering machine message. It was like Ross Watt here. I'm a bit deaf at the moment, so you'll have to speak up. And uh, (laughs) after he died, my uh, my aunt, his his daughter, Uh changed changed the message. Did an impression of him (laughs) and said Ross Watt here. You'll have to really speak up because I'm a bit dead at the moment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Holy (laughs) shit!
1: Yeah, it's very good. good. I come by this honestly. Uh huh. Okay, on to the season finale. Unpathed Waters, Undreamed Shores, which is the most pretentious discovery title ever. Comes from Shakespeare. Al, the Butcher's Knife cares not for the lamb's cry. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty happy with it. I just wanted like what I oh, I Googled um quotes about travel because this was gonna be their like the fake out is they're on vacation. Mm-hmm. You just think it's another hangout episode, they're on vacation. And then bad stuff starts and happening. And then everything but, like, goes wrong. Yes, but um, so I was just like quotes from literature about about vacation about travel, and I was like, "Ooh, this one's good." So, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> um, you wrote this uh, the speech the 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 in the cold open the mm-hmm. um, uh, meeting the Somri, which was another great uh, alien designed by a, um, uh, a commission. So person. cool. And the Pearl thing, like, uh was their idea. Yeah. That we that we started working into it. And it's like, oh, this thing that you gift to to someone is like they're they're your special bond person. And you wrote this amazing speech that uh for the previous episode that just didn't like that was the big problem with your cutch episode was it ended up being about Dal. Yep. It was like, oh, yeah, I I I get it. I know. You love Dal. But mm-hmm. also, dude, <laughs> this is great. We need to use it somewhere else, and it fit perfectly yeah. here. It was a nice it was a nice, like, I wanted a moment of Let's settle all the old business. Everything gets real heavy. Oh, my God, we need a break.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was a per- – like, I knew that was – that belonged in that slot. And you, you had already written the scene. So it's like, oh, perfect. That's a perfect thing to go, oh, boy, but we need to get away now. <laughs> um, Let's see. This one we wrote about 50-50. I think yep. we're starting to figure out how it finally works. We sort of broke the outline together, and it's like, I'll take these scenes. You take these mm-hmm. scenes. Uh, I knew this ending since the beginning. As soon as Naomi started messing with the star shell, I knew it was going to end with those things were supposed to stay in there yeah. and are a big threat. We talked about this from the beginning, um, and I really uh, I knew the I knew the ending of the season. This was this was my idea: the quiet, desperate Naomi to en- or uh, Wyoming to Endeavor, and then just static. Yeah, and that was so clear in my head from like episode two. Yeah. And working backwards from that, I really wanted to hit all of Naomi's most positive traits. Like I wanted to hit her friendship and her excitement about mm-hmm. science and exploring and all of that before I completely destroyed her. Because this is this is where we fix Naomi. This is yeah. where she's not just cute anymore. This is, she's got to go through some shit here. We're going to test her. And uh, spoiler for the season premiere, she's not fixed yet. No, she is That's not. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I was pretty happy with the way the aliens worked on the, on the camping planet. Um, yep. English Gav came up, because I wanted to, like, like, what if all, like, sort of an ant colony, what if all the aliens were in one sort of collective, like, sort of an organic Borg kind of thing? Yeah. And then, I didn't realize this at the time, but I basically turned them into lemmings.
3: Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's a bit in yeah. the in, in the
1: story where all of them were working in tandem, and each of them have a different skill, and they're all, like, reflecting the radiation away, mm-hmm. and, like, these ones are digging... These ones are polishing the rocks. These ones are like, oh, they're just lemmings. And this
0: guy is making sure nobody walks down the path until the explosion is done.
1: Yeah. Oh, what a cute little umbrella. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I would say, as as far as script writing goes, it was very script writing 101 to, at the beginning, very clearly lay out the stakes of, uh-huh. we have three ways to get home. These are the three ways. And I don't regret that. I'm not nope. saying it was a bad choice. I wanted very hard for the audience to understand these are the stakes. This is everything that, that, that they have to fall back on. And then take each one of them away one by one. Yeah. Star Trek doesn't always do that very effectively. So I feel like getting a little basic with it is okay. Um, I spent a long time on that static at the end just because that's like I'm a sound guy and it's very important to me. Sure. It's still not entirely what I wanted, but it's it's in the ballpark. I think it's so. a good ending for the, for the season. No, I know it's a good – I just – I wanted it to sound creepier. Sure. Uh, emptier, more – desolate more like f- hopeless is all. Uh Rich De Thorn delivered more music for this one than he ever did. Mm-hmm. Like I think he gave me like 8 new cues for that and it's all so good. Uh you wrote sort of all the like the the friendship bonding stuff. It was like uh here's where they do cute stuff together, whatever. Yep. You're you're good at this stuff. Yep. And and yeah, you are. You this is really uh, good stuff.
0: Let our hair down and just hang out. Yep. Um the Naomi speech I was really pleased with. Yeah, that was Just very good. The,
1: like getting out. I want to get out there and see everything. Mm-hmm. That was so good. And mm-hmm. Kara really sold that. Yeah. Um, Naomi strumming on her guitar was actually Kara. Like, so all everything I had in my sound effects library sounded too like uh, deliberately like here is a guitar. Like, no, it needs yeah. to be. You need to tune it a little first and you need to sort of noodle it and miss the notes and then find the notes like a real person would. And she's like, yeah, I play guitar. I'll, I just won't tune it first, and I'll pick it up and play it for you. That made me so happy.
0: Perfect. Um, Naomi's guitar was the payoff. I, I, I got this idea when I was doing uh, the old switcheroo, where I liked the idea that she played the guitar to play back to the, the Naomi Wildman,
1: Meadly Me thing. Oh, when we first, so when uh, her mother first showed up in Voyager, we're like, Wildman. <laughs> Wildman! <laughs> yeah. That is very good. Um, so my final thoughts for the season, well, yes. like I said, I obviously can't be objective, but in terms of what I wanted it to be, I give us like a C plus, maybe a B minus. Like, I think it shows promise, but I think we should, we can do better. And I sure. think we should be working to do so. You probably would rate us higher, but, uh, <laughs> I'm I demand good. excellence, Matt. <laughs> I'm not good. I'm not going to rate us. I feel weird about that, but, uh. No, like I said, in terms of what, what I want the show to be, mm-hmm. not objectively, how good are we, but. From what we envisioned to what we delivered, how close are we? <laughs> eh, above average, but not there yet. That's what I think. Shows improvement needs improvement. Yeah, I just I think I think we're on the right track. Mm-hmm. I think the way I work and often the way you work, because you work with me, is get out there and stumble and then figure out what you did wrong yep. while you do it, rather than wait and polish it and get it perfect in, in pre-production. Just go. I think we made some good mistakes that we can learn from. All right. So after all that, we, we have some mail to answer here. Yes. So let's, uh, let's get into it. Uh, thanks to everyone, by the way, who wrote to us. Um, as I have said before, it is difficult to track, uh, podcast listening. Like I'm not good at it. I've never been good at it. I don't understand how that stuff works. Mm -hmm. And if you don't tell us you're listening, we don't know that you're listening. Yeah. We just assume no one is. I, I, it's not even that. Like, it's not a pessimistic, oh, nobody's listening to our show. Nobody likes me. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. I have no concept of who's, like, who's out there. And just keep that in mind if you – because a few people have been like, oh, I assumed you knew. Like, no. well, if you didn't tell me, I don't know.
0: No. <laughs> my natural assumption is that everybody hates me and
1: doesn't want to listen to anything I do. I, I mean, That's I my go-to. <laughs> I have days like that, but my natural assumption is uh, I have no idea until I have the evidence. Sure. And uh, Matt and I podcasted together for years before we did some live events and we'd like, well, we think we're funny, but it's hard to tell unless yeah. you get in front of an audience and hear them laughing. Yeah. Like at the time when we were doing comedy and it's like, same with this. I We don't know if you guys are listening to our show unless you, you say something that you were li- like, and again, this isn't please praise us. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, even if you just like give us a thumbs up or like, you know, we're not saying kiss our asses. We're just saying. If you enjoy the show and you like the show, please just say something. Yeah, let us know. Just, hey, I like your show. That's all. Let us know. Tell a friend. So so that said, we got a lot of mail from people, and I was very pleasantly surprised that there's a lot of people out there who who want to reach out and say thanks to us. That made me very happy. So thanks, guys. The worry is always there that, like, you know. Yeah. And some of these are longtime post-atomic or listeners. Some of them go as far back as, as our first podcast, Sarcastic Voyage. Sure. Some of these names I just don't recognize that might just be Endeavor-only listeners. I don't know. Yeah. So, it's cool. Yeah. All right. First one comes from Dan. Dan says, Hi, Alan, Matt. Hi. With seven of nine showing up on Picard, I think it's fair to say that Naomi Wildman might show up and or be mentioned at some point. Should that happen, will that impact Endeavor? Will you try to incorporate new canon and make it fit or just ignore it and do your own thing? Keep doing amazing work, Dan.
0: Thanks, Dan. Um, I don't know about you, but like, first of all, it feels really unlikely that they're going to pick of all of the people who could show up on the new Picard show. Um, that they would pick Naomi Wildman just to be all like, hey, I'm here too. I
1: don't know because I don't know if she resonated with anyone as much as she did with us.
0: Yeah, we really, really liked that character, so.
1: But it is, it is a natural, just like if you watch the, uh, DS9 documentary, Mm -hmm. and you see them breaking their, their imaginary eighth season, and they talk about, like, jumping ahead from Ensign Nog to Captain Nog. Mm -hmm. Like, when you have a young, promising character, and you go to the future, it's nice to see where they ended up. Yeah. I could see someone wanting to do that but I feel like 7 might be the only nod we get. Yeah. It's
0: just there there there's so many other characters to to bring in and that people would be more excited to bring in,
1: you know? I care about canon way more than I should. Mm-hmm. Like I have tried to set everything we've done apart to say, "Hey, look." Well, that was you know, the, the, yeah, that was one of the selling points of moving the whole series yeah. to Omega where yeah. Nobody is. It's a different galaxy. It's a project that's going on over here. And again, it was established 20 years ago. So all the stuff we knew to be true at the end of DS9 is true for these people. But it, things might have moved on back home. Yeah. that's That kind of gives us a, an out. If somehow Naomi Wildman shows up or is mentioned on that show, I think we'd try to, to make it work if it could. But if, if she's just on that show, then I don't know. Forget yeah. it. It's, it's just we're separate. It's yeah. fine. Like... We tried our best, but we can't, you know. We're setting the Kelvin timeline now. Yeah, we're not going to break the show trying to figure that out. Yeah, like. Yep. Fuck you guys. We had her first. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's see. This one comes from Woody. All right. Uh, hey, Potters, love the show. Oh, this is about stomach Core. I'm currently making my way through your DS9 episodes, and I have noticed a connection between a Deep Space Nine Season 2 Wikipedia running gag and a throwaway line in your original Endeavor show. In the pilot of Endeavor, you have someone state they expected Jake Sisko to be at a press conference when he was not. Is that your way of saying Ciroc Lofton does not appear in this episode? Uh, yes, actually. It that absolutely is. Me doing a dumb, because th- it's actually a memory alpha thing where they would point out every single episode. Like, it may be in Wikipedia as well. Yeah. But, like, he's in the main credits and he only appears in maybe half the DS9 episodes and yeah. it got funny to us after a while. Sierra Loughlin does not appear in this episode.
0: Well, it it was such a weirdly prominent thing that showed up in every, like... Well, he was a child actor who probably was
1: in school and couldn't make it for every episode. Yeah.
0: I mean, it makes perfect sense but, like,
1: yeah, it was we, we just, just thought it was funny. It yeah, and after a while, that's like, you read all the interesting tidbits and also, also, Cyril often is, okay, good to know. Good to know this, uh, O'Brien leaves the station and goes to another Planet episode did not feature <laughs> Jake Sisko. <laughs> Fine. I mean, and they did it with other characters too, but like he, because, he always, yeah, yeah. It,
0: it was him the most,
1: you know. I'm just, pretty sure he was, he was underage. I'm pretty sure he started the show as a teenager, so. Yeah. He, he wasn't like one of those 30 year olds playing a teenager. I think he actually was a child. Yeah, absolutely. And so either he had to work Less hours, or he was in school, or some some reason they couldn't bring him in every time. Or the writers couldn't think of a thing for the kid to do every week. Yeah, that makes sense, too. Because like, he's a kid. Yeah. And they, the, I, they did not want to Wesley him, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and they never did. Yeah. Took him in a very... Instead of making an overachiever, they made him a writer. <laughs> Ugh. But yes, that was... Widely that was, known as history's worst profession. Oh, Yeah. But that was that was me. Like early on, I was like, "Ooh, we could do all the pod jokes," and I'm starting to back off mm-hmm. some of those. We, did, a, like, we okay, did others, we, you know. We've done a lot of them, but I feel like we're building our own world, and we can make new jokes that are ours. Sure. And we can start doing callbacks to our own stuff instead mm-hmm. of like other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just like I said. Eventually, I want this to be as original as it can be. Like it's always going to involve Starfleet and you know a Cardassian and a character from Voyager and mm-hmm. a, a Tellerite, but. Apart from that, I'd love for it all to be us, like yeah. our all our stuff. Uh, this is from Tidro. Hi, Tidro. Dear Al and Matt, and she capitalized the M and A in Matt, I think, to, to make it look like Al, or maybe it's a typo, I don't know. It's odd. Uh, first of all, congratulations on your first season. It was so, so good. Very much looking forward to season number two. My question is, how soon in the planning stages did you know that the finale was going to circle back to the first episode? Because that was some masterful storytelling. Thanks for all your excellent content. Um, well, that was my plan all along, because yep. I am a masterful storyteller. No.
0: <laughs> Dance the way, puppets.
1: The way, this is how I did the comedy soap opera, and the fact that it was a comedy meant that I could cheat, because if something didn't work, I could just make a joke out of it. Sure. And we don't have that option. But I have practiced a little at writing a serialized season of, of story, And the way I work best, like I used to plan everything out and I felt really stifled by that. Mm -hmm. And then I used to make it all sort of open and I felt really directionless. And the best way I have found, and and you seem to work well with this too, is we have a map for where we're going. Mm -hmm. We know a few specific beats, but there's enough room where if we suddenly get an amazing idea we have room to, like, I knew how this was going to end. I knew yeah. that end for a long time. And I talked about it with you and we, we teased it out to something like you helped me turn it into a real idea instead mm. of a half idea. And I knew that's what we were building to, but I also wanted things to develop naturally. And so many things, I don't know if you feel the same way, but so many of the things I wrote this season were built on things you set up before. Oh yeah. Like I wouldn't have been able to write the, Dal and Emmerich backstory, unless you had written the first part of that. Yeah. Or like, uh, there's a lot of things like that. There's, um, once you blew up part of the station, mm-hmm. that became a huge inciting incident for pretty much everything I wrote after that. It's yeah. Like, we can't forget this. This is a huge, like, this is the biggest thing to happen here. Mm hmm. And everyone's not going to forget about it, and it affected a lot of things.
0: Well, and, you know, I mean, if you're going to do – like, if you're going to kill that many people and take a good chunk out of the station, like, that has to matter. Things just can't be back to normal the next week, and
1: right, they're not. But but I didn't know you had done – like, I didn't know you were going to do that until you handed me the first draft of that script. I didn't know – one of the things we were dealing with this season was that the station got blown up. Like mm. that was that was news to me. Could have sworn which, I told you about that. I, you may have, but my point is, I like having that latitude. Yeah, I like being able like to have it both ways. To to have a plan to know where we're going, but also to like the whole middle of the season is us building on each other's ideas. Mm-hmm. I made the ah a certain way, which you then fleshed out further. Which then I fleshed out further, and now suddenly they're a fully realized alien race. Yeah. And, like, stuff with the station and side characters and, like, all of that. Mm-hmm. But broadly speaking, we have a pretty good idea of season two and where it's going, and and I don't know the ending yet, but I have a pretty good idea. Sure. I, haven't, I haven't run that part by you yet. So oh, that'll be change. interesting. <laughs> it might change. huh. But we've talked about up up until about the middle. Like, so, you know, some planning, some going as we go. Cause yeah. I, I like a little of both. Uh, this one comes from Mark. Hi, Mark. Hi, Alan, Matt. I've been really excited to listen to Endeavor this year. The episodes are fun and interesting and emotionally satisfying. I'm looking forward to seeing what will happen with the characters in such dire circumstances. I love how much personalities all the characters have. My favorite Naomi scene is her singing to herself as she heads to the <laughs> bridge in Bad Day at Nimbus Station. <laughs> Matt wrote into the script, uh, like the Captain Pic- Captain Jean Sean L- Picard, I'd I showed that to Kara and she had never seen, she like, she's so good at like, she'll watch the video and she'll study it so that she sings it the way it is in the video. And that's what she did. And, uh, so good. Uh, and in general, I like how she handles the situation in that episode. My favorite Dal scene is her discussion with Elso and Unpath Waters on Dream Shores. Uh, my favorite cut scene is when he's laying it all, all out in, in the muck. Mm-hmm. Very curious about the ambiguity around Fulo's apparent death. I presume you don't want to discuss future developments, but there's anything you can say about this plot thread right now. I actually talked about that a minute ago. Yeah. Um, I, I wrote that one, and I did not deliberately mean to leave it vague, but on the other hand, Matt's like, so so she's still alive, right? <laughs> yeah, she goes back have, like the Joker. We have discussed it. I will not rule it out. No. I don't have any current plans for that, but it's possible. Or she might just be dead. Yeah. So uh, the intent was not there, but we will capitalize on the opportunity if a good story presents sure. itself. Sure. That's the answer. We're all gonna learn together. But, you know, the thing is, you could find yourself in a weird place we didn't plan to be, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean we won't use it. You and I are both very resourceful when it comes to we'll use everything we have. Like, Yeah. Like, oh, right. We do have a a cool doctor. We don't need to invent a new one. Like Devlin already did half that work for yep. us. Here's Doc Shang. Uh, this one comes from Mel. Hi, Mel. Uh, Dear Alan Matt, no questions, but I just wanted to say I loved Endeavor, especially Ratlines. That episode was the first time in a long time I've re-listened to a podcast episode again right after. Oh wow. That's, that's some good praise, man. Can't wait for more. And also eagerly awaiting Pa's return to Star Trek. Well, that's, so that's we. happening very soon. Yeah. Yes. Uh, thank you for that. Um, I I actually meant to discuss the uh the, the dumb title for that episode. Mm. Uh, which is uh so that episode was always meant to be. Uh, I, when I wrote it on my whiteboard, it was, um, Nazis in Brazil. Yes. It was all those stories you saw. And it might only just be like one story. I might be exaggerating this, but I feel like there were a bunch of stories like movies and books and so forth. And I know it happened in real life, but I feel like there was a lot of fiction about this, about Nazis hiding in South America. And like 20 years later, suddenly they start popping up again.
0: Didn't Mengele end up down there or am I just Mengele, thinking of yes. boys in no, no, Brazil?
1: No. no, Mengele actually was down there, Okay. Okay. And they did catch him down there. Okay. But there's a lot of, like, fiction about that, too, I think. Mm-hmm. And my idea was, because I because I do very much think of the Dominion War as as the Alpha Quadrants World War II. Sure. I, I'm thinking in terms of a lot of interesting things happened after that. A lot of interesting stories came from that. One of the things was the concept of the, uh, uh, what is it, Project Paperclip?
0: Po- yeah, Project Paperclip. The, where, uh, they,
1: where we brought a bunch of Nazi scientists over to help us. Like, the Omega Project was developed with a couple of Vorta who worked for the Dominion. Mm-hmm. I kind of liked that idea. Yeah. And and then Fulo murdered them because mm-hmm. they recognized her. But um, uh, the rat lines was the word for uh, the secret routes that Nazis used to escape Germany. Oh, cool. And so I wanted the Cardassian to be, you know, to to escape, like, you know, this war criminal to escape, to to hide someplace no one would ever think mm-hmm. to look for. Her. So that's all. It's a terrible title, but. It is not a my, terrible title. I I disagree. Well, that's fine, but uh, this one comes from Scott. Uh, he says it's okay to call him gay. Scott, I still feel weird about that. <laughs> I feel like he's a Howard Stern guest if I do that. <laughs> uh, my question is, what inspired the ah, the warp gate, the concept of beneficial interference, the whole vowel thing? I we talked about that a bit. Yeah, um, it was you know, you sort of started is, it, and we sort of batted
0: it back and forth from
1: there. Yeah, we've we've both sort of built them and we always run the idea by the other person so Mm -hmm. we're not like this doesn't contradict with what you had in mind no
0: no I mean I guess technically it came
1: it started with that drawing but yeah um the vowel like they only speak in vowels okay I think a lot about sound because in addition to co-writing the show I also edit it and Mm -hmm. all the sound effects like uh as we go into season two most of the sound effects are going to be original creations from me instead of like stock Star Trek stuff yeah which I'm pretty excited about. It's, no one's going to notice that but me. But it's 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 an important thing to me. Um, I'm the guy who watches TV shows and gets annoyed because everyone uses the same door sound effect.
0: Probably Nobody that fucking did. Wilhelm
1: scream again! God damn it! I see the Wilhelm scream's an in joke at this point. <laughs> I love me a Wilhelm scream. Yeah. Oh, we both just saw the new Star Wars movie. Did you catch shit in there? I no, know. and I was looking. I was not. I forgot to. Th- I forgot to listen for it. Um. Anyway. Uh, the, but I think a lot about what aliens should sound like, and they shouldn't just be, you know, mm-hmm. like, people all the time, especially since we've set up the, the Omega Quadrant's full of weird aliens. Yeah. And what I don't want is the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio play uh, modulated all the alien voices so bad you could barely oh, understand yeah, what they're saying. There's some rough ones in there, man. We're just like, what the fuck did he say? Douglas Adams was super into making that show like you know using the BBC radiophonic uh, uh, workshop and all that stuff and like yeah, i i, and I appreciate that. that but like but you got to be able to hear your so i i thought a lot about this mm-hmm. and i thought about like what are sounds i can do that aren't the same five garageband filters but that i also know how to do and i started experimenting and i like i am in... well i'm not embarrassed to say i'm a, i'm a mix of proud and embarrassed <laughs> to say i probably experimented with this for a total of like 10 hours. Wow. Not just this, but lots of different sounds for aliens. Mm -hmm. Just sit in front of the mic and like, can you understand the words I'm saying? Can you like, you know, does this make sense? Does it sound weird enough? Does it just sound like, you know, and I got this really cool, like one of the many things I tried, tried all these different combinations of things. And the thing I tried that I liked was I was like speaking through a towel. (laughs) So I was kind of muffled. Like you couldn't quite make out what I was saying. (laughs) That's just my hand. But you know, like, But imagine it was,
0: if my hand were a towel.
1: Yes, of course. I knew. Use your, like, you know, theater of the mind. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, but the consonant sounds kind of throw that off. What if it was just vowels? What if it was like, oh, like, ooh, yeah, there we go. Mm -hmm. And then I, like, down pitched that and a couple other little things. And, like, I I really like the way that sounds. Yeah. So it's just me, like, and I have a couple other tricks like that that I want to, like, I love playing with that stuff. Mm. It's so much fun. There's a bit we did back in our comedy show uh, called uh, Mysteries of the Unexplained, which is just like a – it's exactly what it sounds like, like Mm -hmm. a weird call-in show thing that that was Matt's idea. And I love getting his weird scripts and turning them into sound, like bizarre soundscapes. (laughs) It's just so much fun. Like Matt wrote one that said, sound effect, the universe explodes. Yeah, have fun. I had to turn – I like doing that though. If I'm rushed and I gotta do it now, I hate it. But if mm-hmm. I have a minute to play with it, I really enjoy that. <laughs> so that's all. More difficult sounds for Al. I mean, I challenge me with some alien stuff. I, I've got one coming up, honestly. So Good. Yeah. Oh, we talked about this. Yeah, yeah. I know I I unless it's something new I No, no, this is the one we talked about. So Yeah. No, I'm I'm looking forward to that actually. Yeah. Uh, okay, this one comes from Kathy. All right. Hi, Kathy. Kathy says, hi all at post I've been recommending Pa and Endeavor to anyone who will listen because I love Star Trek and you so clearly do too. Well, thank you. I was nervous about Endeavor because I thought you might make it snarky or winky or inside jokey, but you didn't. You're just making excellent Star Trek audio fanfic featuring Naomi Wildman, everyone's favorite member of Voyager. Yay! Voyager was my first Star Trek love and it's nice to have it get some props. I enjoy listening at work while I'm grading papers primarily. Well, awesome. Um... Like we said before, we struggled with the tone. Like we didn't want it to be a parody. We didn't want to no. be snarky. There's, we're still grinding our axes. Mm-hmm. There's still things. It's like, ugh, why does Star Trek always do this? Yeah, but, but I mean, like you know, end of the day, did it was a place of love. Yeah, I, we wouldn't be doing this if we hated the show. Like, ah, uh, I don't know. I don't have that kind of time. I, I could see writing a parody after nine years of. Dissecting this series, I could see just like eviscerating it in comedy. I guess I'm just not interested in that anymore. You know, I like. I, I think you could be, but I. That's not what we're
0: doing. So, I like doing this better. I feel like I feel happier about
1: what we like, about what we do this way. I'm, you know, as I get older and as the world gets more horrible, mm-hmm. I like things with a positive message. Yeah, I'm, you know. Right now, the good place is very necessary. Yeah. Like, it's a a nice, like, after all the things, you know?
3: Yeah.
1: (sighs) Okay, this one comes from Lise. Hi, Lise. Uh, Only one question. How much did you plan out in advance? Like, did you have keywords for each episode before you started writing number one? Uh, A bit. Yeah. We talked about that
0: already. We uh, Yeah,
1: we hung out in Al's basement and sort of hashed some stuff out and went from there. Yeah, in fact, uh, to follow up on what I said a minute ago, looking on my whiteboard, I have um, rough like, one sentence at the most, sometimes, like, three-word descriptions of episodes. Like, of the ten, I have up to eight. Some of those could go away. Mm -hmm. Some of them can completely change. But, ballpark, we have at least a sketch of what most of the season's gonna be. But, some of those are just, this would be nice ideas, and if something better comes along, it gets bumped. Yeah. Some of them, like, we have an excellent Dal story in mind, but it's, um, it's... There was too much Dal this season. Yeah. Yeah. Like Matt hit her real hard and it was, they were great episodes, but it's (laughs) like, we need to, we need to give it a minute. Mm. So that's all. Yeah. Um, This one comes from Mike X i Matt, Al, and everyone involved in making Endeavor. You probably already know I've been loving this show. The ship's mission is the kind of diversity that accepts everybody, especially those who are different, as they are, is refreshing these days. I agree with Kutch that the Oz philosophy of no one should do without is definitely beautiful. I've been wondering what kind of preparation all you went through in order to create Endeavor and Nimbus Crews. The characters and relationships seem so fleshed out. How much of that was planned out before the show began? How much grew organically? Uh, thanks for the entertainment, Endeavor Crew. This is one of the best audio drama podcasts I've listened to, and I can hear the amount of work and heart that goes into it. Well, Mike... Uh you are directly involved in this show. Uh-huh. Mike has drawn some of the most amazing cover art we've had and yeah. some sort of side art and he wrote a short for the uh shorts episode we're mm-hmm. doing next month. So Mike is part of this crew. Yeah, welcome aboard. Yes. Uh but all of that said, uh mm-hmm. thank you for the kind words. Yes. He's been he's been a supporter of us since like way back at the beginning. Oh yeah. Like in the first podcast we ever did. So that was that was very cool of him. Um Well, we talked about, like, how we planned the trio, definitely. Yeah. Beyond that... Everyone else is sort of just like, what do do we need for the episode, you know? Yep, but I always think, and I think I've started to get you thinking this way, too. I don't think you did at the beginning, but I think you're starting to. Whenever you introduce someone, I want them to have the potential to be a character later. Yeah. I don't ever want someone just to be like, well, they're here this week, but they'll never show up again. Like, when you put Zod on the bridge, it's like, okay, that's a bridge character. Mm -hmm. That's important. We need to figure something out. It doesn't have to be right now. Yeah. It doesn't have, like, could be in a year. It could be three seasons from now. But, like, you named a character on the bridge, that might come up again. Yeah, that person's not going anywhere. Yeah. It's why the, uh, we have a, uh, we have a wiki uh, Mm -hmm. that Al set up that's just, like, everything that's happened on the show. And every time the the script gets to the final draft stage, I put in all the details of, like, this is, like, uh, new named places and people. Yeah. I have a ridiculously obsessive chart of what the star dates should be. Believe mm-hmm. it or not, they're accurate to Next Gen.
0: Whenever I uh, whenever I write a script, my
1: star dates are all just whatever in brackets because I know Al knows what they're supposed to be, and I'll fill them in later. I lined it up with like, okay, how, this is how many years have passed since the end of Next Gen. This was like, so it's going to be this, and like, I'm pretty like of all the dorky things I do for this show, that's mm-hmm. the one I'm I'm like proudest of. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I like to I like to. Keep track of who's who, and like Doc Shang is a good example. Yeah, where we uh, uh Matt's uh, name checked this character in like, yeah, she shows up in like the second episode. Yeah, like, and you're like, I'm gonna name the doctor this, and like, that's fine. Sounds like an Andorian name, should probably mm-hmm. be an Andorian. Yeah, okay. And we talked about it a little more, and then uh, one time you were up here, we were brainstorming a little bit mm-hmm. and came up with an interesting sort of hook for the character. Yeah. And then your body swap on is like, well, this is a medical thing, so the doctor finally appeared. might as well bring her in. Ooh, ooh, and I had been talking to Devlin about the possibility of this character, and she's like, "Ooh, can I play her?" Like, yes, yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Done. And so that's that's an example of like us slowly like bringing a character in. Mm-hmm. But there's others where it's just like, well, this wasn't working, or you know, like there's different, you know, there's different levels. Yeah. I don't know. Some characters I have a plan for and we just haven't gotten to yet. I will say that. So this is kind of a mix. Um, we have one more email that I did not put in the document and I inadvertently deleted. Oh. Because I, well, no, because I answered the person personally. Ah. I didn't think we'd, I didn't think we'd be talking about it on the show and I do actually want to talk about it. Okay. Uh, this is from Adane and, uh, another, another longtime supporter of of our efforts. Uh, says, uh, Not sure how much you can say about upcoming stuff, but if you can talk about it, any plans to have an openly trans character? Um, Um, Also, I want to say I love the show. Writing is great. Voice actors are very talented. I look forward to more. Thank you. This is something we have struggled with from the beginning when we talked about queer representation. We absolutely want a trans character. We we both have a very close personal trans friend in addition to this being an abstractly important issue. It's also a personal thing for us, and we want that, but here's where it gets complicated. I do not want to cast, say, a cis man as a trans man. Yeah. That is problematic. Just like I don't cast white people as people of color, Mm -hmm. I did not want to do that. So what that means is we now have to, like, if we write a trans character, which we absolutely want to do, Mm -hmm. we have to find a trans actor. And we are using everyone we have access to right now. If we knew more people, we'd be using more people. Yeah. (laughs) Like- this is all we got, and I love everyone we have. But Bob and Brian are doing, and they're doing a great job. But they're doing triple and quadruple duty, and yeah, we need some, we need some more like like utility players just to just to ease the burden on them a little bit, mm-hmm. and so that their characters can grow and they don't have to be different guys every week. We can say like, look, you can be Emric for like five episodes this year, Bob, because we love that guy, and you're yeah. doing a good job as him, like or Sokar or whatever. Like, I want to be able to give them a chance to sort of like settle into their better roles and, and grow the the show. But yeah, you know, it's tricky. Uh, That said, we have reached out. Uh, We are actively working on this and I think it may happen in season two. Yeah. The casting has not been official yet. uh, So, you know, still gotta, still gotta make that work. Mm -hmm. But because we need to find someone willing to voice act for us, someone who's uh willing to work for the relatively low money we pay yep. which is if you play a supporting role you get 5% of the patreon cut if you play a, a main role you get 10% mm-hmm. uh that's it and you guys are very generous but that ends up being about 20 bucks a month that is not a job yep. that's just a nice like okay go buy yourself a couple of cups of coffee or something <laughs> yeah like it's it's nothing it was it was gas and parking for when people were coming to the uh to our our like joint meeting place to record locally mm-hmm. <laughs> So, they got to be willing to work for nothing. They got to be willing to do a Star Trek project, which I've lost a couple of potential voice actors because they either are not into Star Trek or they're hesitant to work on something copyrighted. Sure. And then, on top of all that, they still have to be right for the part. hmm That's so much criteria, and the most important thing comes last. Yeah. So, I want this so much. Yeah. I, I would love more than one trans character, but it's, it's difficult, and bear with us. We're trying, and I think we're close. But yeah. It's it's very tricky, but that said, we it's, want it. It's just so important to both of us not to fuck this up. Yes, and we will be consulting with our trans friend. We will consult with this performer. Mm-hmm. Even then, I'm saying this right now, it's possible we'll get it wrong. We're trying everything we can. Yeah. We, we are doing our best. We're coming from it with nothing but the best intentions that doesn't mean we're not going to screw up and if we do mm-hmm. do not be afraid to call us out. Don't don't be a jerk about it, but please don't be afraid to tell us, "Hey, listen. Yeah. I know you think this is the right thing to do, but uh you you misspoke. Please please don't say this or please yeah. don't say it this way." We want that. We literally do we want to know that we're doing it right because we're in uncharted waters here and we want to do right by mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So if, if you know about this stuff, if you were personally, I'm not asking for any, any kind of personal, like I'm not, I don't want to get in your business. Mm-hmm. I, like you don't have to tell me anything about yourself, but just write to us or, or contact us, like reach us, reach out to us directly and just say, Hey, you, you could, you could be handling this a little more sensitively than you are. Yeah. We, we will listen. We will yeah. not, we will not get defensive. We will listen to what you have to say and we will try to, you know, try to respect you because we want, you know, we want to do a good job. Yeah. And Star Trek's, you know, this should be for everybody. Yes. And things I work on going forward should be more inclusive. Because mm-hmm. I'm a white dude with a lot of privilege and I don't always think of that stuff and I'm trying to get better about it. Yeah. The only way I can get better about it is if people make me accountable. Yeah. So that's, that's, it's such an important thing to me. Yeah. So again, don't be a jerk. Don't just say, hey, you asshole. Mm hmm. If you, if you approach us, we could do that ourselves. We call each other asshole all the time. Right. Just, just, you know, but we are, we are absolutely willing to listen and anything we've covered on the show so far, Mm -hmm. same, same deal. If you're like, you know what? That's that speech you gave Naomi about being ace. uh, You, you like, this was okay, but you kind of offended me here. This Mm -hmm. is not cool. Don't do this again. Yeah. Like I will listen. Yeah. And you will listen. Mm-hmm. We, will, we will hear what you have to say and we will try to incorporate it into the show. Yeah. So, I don't know. I Sorry to go off on that. It's just a, it's very important to me. Very, yeah. So, it's, I think we as a culture have gotten to a point where certain people need to shut up and listen. hmm And that's us and we will. Yeah. So, uh, and that is the last mail that we had. So, Whew. again, thank you all so much. Yeah. Absolutely. Doing the show is a dream for both of us. Yeah. Like, and hearing from people who yeah. like it and want to connected with a them. huge, yeah. just a huge deal for us. Yeah. Like, I know the people who perform in this show like it. That's not the same thing. Yeah. Like, these are pretty much all my friends, and we've been doing this for years, and if you're mm-hmm. still showing up to record with me, it's because you like doing it. Yeah. Like, of course you like it, because you, you like doing this, but mm-hmm. hearing... People respond to specific things like the the guy who called out his specific moments of like these each character like had like I love hearing that because mm-hmm. one it means we managed to flesh out each character enough that they each had something he liked mm-hmm. and two there's stuff that you wrote and that I wrote so I don't feel either uh, guilty that it's all mine or uh, petty and pissed off that mm-hmm. it's all yours. Sure. It's a little of both. Yeah. You guys have no way of knowing who wrote what, so that that's you didn't know. It's good. You'll never know. We just told them. Yeah. Uh, I will say going forward into season two, there's gonna be a lot more co-writing, though. Yeah. Well, we're getting better at that, so <laughs> Yeah. Um, and we do have, like I say, very big plans. Um, not gonna tell you what happens, but like I will say the danger that we introduced at the end of season one, we both hate when Star Trek cops out on like big cliffhanger moments and then nothing happens. Mm-hmm. The danger that happened happened. We're not going to we're not going to like uh, retcon it. We're not going to reset button it. Those things will have continued to have happened and things will change based on what happened. Yeah. That's very important to both of us that mm-hmm. that events <laughs> events stay happened and affect other events. Things that happened are supposed to have happened. Yes. Wait. Star Trek had a real problem with that. Yeah. Well, it's a reset button. We fucking hate that yeah. thing. Voyager and Enterprise in particular. Brandon Braga loved just, like, getting really daring with the characters and then at the last minute backing away because, mm-hmm. yeah, never mind. That never happened. It was all a dream Our Or shit.
0: an alternate reality
1: or fucking whatever. Whatever it was that week. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying we're never doing a story like that, but I'm saying I like, I like consequences. Yeah, like, we're going... On the off chance that happens, we're going into it aware of, like... Yeah, if you want to kill a character, we'll talk about it a lot. Yeah. And then they're dead. They yeah. stay dead. We're not going to find some dumb way to bring them back. They're just dead.
2: Mm -hmm. I'm
1: not, I'm not suggesting we're doing that, but for an example. That's why why I only kill off unnamed characters or characters who haven't showed up yet. But like, if we, like we talked about this because uh, this is famously a story when Ron Moore went to work on Voyager. How many Mm -hmm. shuttles do you have? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah. And we were like, okay, how many runabouts do we have? We're going to stick with that. Yeah. And like uh mm, never mind. The question I was about to ask you would have been a spoiler, so never mind. Yeah, let's uh yeah. But if something happens to any of them, then it's gone. hmm And it's hard to get like we've said before repeatedly, it's hard to get more stuff from the Alpha Quadrant, so that's it. That's all you get. Mm-hmm. If we blew up Endeavour, the show would still go on, but there wouldn't be a more any more ship. Yeah. Like the Cardassians work in a rock now. Yeah. That's they fly around in a rock. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. So that's th- they're never going to get another Cardassian ship because that's that's what, the choice we made. Yeah, so that's that's a thing we're very passionate about. Mm. Um, nobody wrote in to ask this, and I don't have an answer for it, but I have been asked this before: how okay. long we think how long we think the show's going to go? And I don't have an answer to that. Yeah, I don't I'm know. Curious what your thoughts are. Um,
0: yeah i I, I would think we would keep go- doing it as long as it's fun to do. You know. Yeah. Um. We've talked about sort of like vague ideas of like
1: an ending, but, uh, well, I know some status quo stuff that I want to get to a certain place, but we're already, we're already going to get there pretty soon. Yeah. So like, and that's good. Mm. I just, I want to, you know, I want to set some things up for some other things and blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't know what the actual end is. Yeah. Uh, I don't like, I like, I've been asked this before. And I'm not sure because we don't have a plan. It's not like we have a a JMS five-year Babylon 5 plan. It's just like, I don't know, we'll do it until the story's over. Yeah, basically. I'm a firm believer in, like, and I'm not just saying this as the writer. I'm saying this, I believe this for most of fiction. Whatever the writer says happened is what happened. Like, Mm -hmm. if they say the story's over now, I'm not going to be like, but what about more? No. No. They said it's over. They're the ones who decide it's over. Mm Mm-hmm. And if they decide like this is the ending, if you're unsatisfied with it, that's fine. But sorry, we're not coming back. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. So
2: that's so, yeah. I've I don't always,
1: know. I've always felt that way. No, it's open ended. We're de- I mean, season two is going to be ten episodes coming out monthly throughout uh, twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can pretty safely say there'll be a season three, but yeah, th- I'm not going to commit to that. Sure, because we we haven't written anything yet. Yeah. Season two is well underway. No. So. Yeah. But next month, as I have alluded to, in case you didn't know, we are doing a series of shorts. And none of them are written by us. Yeah. So that'll we be weird. Have, we have a list of contributors. And I happen to have this right in front of me. I, mm. I just realized people who don't follow us on social media don't know this stuff. So I'm, I'm saying things that you already know that a lot of people already know, but not everyone necessarily does. Mm-hmm. So I just want to make sure I get this out there. Uh, so Tidro, uh, Devlin, mm-hmm. uh, Bob, uh, Kara, Rich Thorne. Uh, our friend, uh, Irish Gav, who mm-hmm. has not been involved in the show yet, but has been involved in, in, many other things we've done. Uh, Mike X, Vishal, who plays, uh, Admiral Soraya. Yep. Uh, oh, and Devlin again, she wrote too. Oh. Uh, all of those people have contributed short, sort of like, uh, the, the, the target was about five pages. Uh, one of them runs a bit longer, but everything else is, is five pages or less. Like just a, just a quick pick a background character you want to see more of, or, do some fun little thing with the trio. And there's a yeah. nice mix of both. There's a nice mix of serious and funny. There's a nice mix of like, like I say, deep bench characters and main characters. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's a little, there's some, a little bit for everybody. And we wanted to give other people a chance uh, to, to play in our world. And yeah, uh, super excited to hear that come together. So that's, what's coming out for February. Mm-hmm. Uh, then for March 1st, that's when season two premieres. Yeah. Just I'm like last year on right now. <laughs> yes. Just like last year uh, starts in March. We'll run through December. Yeah. I think that's a good model because we do 10 episodes and there's 12 months. So we start, you know, we end at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So, and then we'll do this again next year. So, yeah. If you want to write to us, the email address is postatomichorror at Gmail. I didn't set up a special email just for this. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but if you want to write to us, we're not going to do one of these for another year. But, yeah. So if you just you want know. to contact us to, to say hi or, or take for whatever reason, like yeah. I said before, whatever, like, you know, please do. Yeah. Uh, and if you want us to read it on the show, it'll be a year, but we'll sit on it until then. Yeah. Uh, And if you want to check out our our other projects, um, uh, most of them are at uh, Algar.com, which is the website that all my projects are on, but Matt has co-worked with me on just about all of them. Yeah, it's not hard to find me on there. Yeah.
0: I'm around. Um, Yeah.
1: (laughs) And we're on social media. I'm I'm on Twitter, at Algar. He's at Robot Matt. And uh, please follow us. We talk a lot. Yep. Uh, Mostly at each other. Yeah. And I think that's all, unless you have anything else. I don't think so. All right. Well... That's Bye-bye. all. For this time, thank you for listening and uh, safe journeys. Yeah.